What are you talking about? I never freeze. But you don't like my royal sandals. Evacuate the city. Engage all defenses. Get this man shit. Oh, hell no, nah, Karen. Keep your brand ass potato salad to yourself. Wakanda forever! What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required at MCU Retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I've got uh, the two regular boys here, Chris and Peaches. <laughs> That's us, the regular boys. The regular boys. <laughs> the regular boys. Regular, regular, and Mario regular. Yeah. That's because of all the, the I fiber that we eat. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Wait, what? Eat your dates, kids. Yeah. Eat- mm, okay. Prune right, juice. Well. That's why you're still single. No, there's plenty of reasons. <laughs> That's the tip of the iceberg. Angela's here. Hi, Angela. Hi. <laughs> I'm not a regular, regular lady. <laughs> eat, eat more prunes. I have some Activia in the fridge. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> this episode's sponsored by Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I'm actually going to complain about her to this episode. What? What? For beating Angela Bass at the Oscars. Oh. That should have gone to... Yes. As, wow! Okay. Just, I had no idea I was going to get that. this out of Preach. the way right now. Um, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's wonderful. If they were going to give Best Supporting Actress to someone from her movie, they gave it to the wrong person. Yes. Because it yes. should have been Stephanie Hsu. Yes. Correct. But it should have just been Angela Bassett altogether. Also, yes. Yeah. But Angela I, did the thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> a wise woman once said, <laughs> Angela, Angela Bassett did, did the, the thing. thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah. well, I guess I don't have to bring that up later now. There you go. Yeah, if it wasn't, if it was a shock to anyone, today we're going to be talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, written by Ryan Coogler <laughs> and Joe Robert Cole, and directed by Ryan Coogler. I was like, I didn't see it in here, and I was like, did he not put it in the notes? And I was like, oh no, yes he did. I just was being stupid. You <laughs> just forgot to keep reading. <laughs> Line. Should have committed that to memory. So... Before we get started, I think it's important to talk about the production of this movie and sort of what happened to get this movie the way it was. As everybody knows, the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman really changed the way, not only the script of this movie, um, but the production of it as well. The pandemic also had a very large hand Mm. in changing the production of this movie. And so this movie is sort of a product of the passing of Chadwick Boseman, as well as the constraints that they had to deal with during the pandemic. Um, You'll hear our thoughts as we talk about it, um, but it should be colored through the lenses that this movie, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't, this, my second, my watching that I watched the other day was um, the first time I had watched it since I watched it in theaters. Because mm-hmm. I found this movie to be a lot. Same. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's not that it's a difficult watch. It is just a very heavy watch. Mm-hmm. And I feel very heavy afterwards. And that's not, I'm not always in the mood for, you know, this, this movie that has all that. Like the, for, Chris and I were discussing this before uh, we started the recording. But we were talking about this earlier. But that first Black Panther movie, I can watch over and over again. I don't mm-hmm. feel that same sort of heaviness with this one. I feel like a heaviness in my chest every time I watch it. And so... um it is clear that a lot of the emotion of Chadwick's passing, and we're going to talk about it because they don't shy away from it in this movie, um, yeah. of his passing colored a lot of the themes of this movie 
and it, it it almost seemed like a form of catharsis for the actors and writers and crew members of this movie to create this film, which is a an achievement in of itself. Mm. Yeah, I was going to actually bring up and ask. I think we're all on the same page about this, probably, but there was some discussion out among the people, uh, you know, among I hate fans, those people about <laughs> probably about how they should move forward to this. Uh, should they address it or should they recast or how it should be handled? And I honestly think for a lot of reasons, and I know there are going to be a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I think recasting T'Challa would have been a mistake uh, because in such a short time, Chadwick Boseman became T'Challa for a lot of people. And I certainly don't want to speak for any communities or anything out there because I know that, you know, there's disagreement, you know, among everybody about, you know, what was the best way to handle it. But for me, you know, sometimes you can accept a new actor coming in and taking over a role. Uh, But this is one that I don't think it would have worked for a lot of reasons, Um, because I think Chadwick Boseman came to mean a lot to a lot of people and him playing T'Challa meant a lot to a lot of people. And I think turning this movie into a way to grieve and celebrate him, I think was good for a lot of audience people, audience members, audience people, (laughs) audience members. And, you know, I think it was good for the cast and crew as well, because, you know, they were part of a family in a lot of ways. Um, And, and I think, I think it was the right choice and that's what makes us so hard to watch, but you know, grieving is hard, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it says a lot about what he did in that role that he was only in one, like one movie that he was fully in and he was, well, I guess he was, he was fully in civil war, Yeah, but he was just kind of like a character in two other movies and yeah, yeah replacing him with somebody else would have felt wrong. Yeah. I think it's, it's it he did great also on what you said um about the sadness of this movie because i i agree with you this is just a different kind of heavy for for this reason for because of chad mcboseman um because i like sad movies i i don't know that i would uh subject myself to this over and over and over because i mean the movie is grief it's like going through the grief yeah. process and yeah. it's hard to do that about anything so mm-hmm. like to intentionally subject yourself to that even if it's marvel even if it's if it's got like a fun coat of paint at times is still very heavy so as we discuss this movie we might make some jokes you know uh there's going to be lighthearted times but there's probably going to be a lot of serious talk about grief about loss, about struggling with that kind of thing. So as an early warning now, if you've watched this movie, you probably already kind of anticipate that. But just as an extra little warning, this is something that we're going to be talking about. So if you, you know, if you don't want to be a part of that conversation, we understand. Did you guys see, um, here's something kind of light, I guess. Um, Did you see the... Is it a feather? Yeah, it's actually um, one ton of feathers and one (laughs) One ton ton of of bricks. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to show you the feathers, though. So don't look at the bricks. Um, did you see that? I guess it was last year, and I just maybe missed it. Maybe you guys saw it, and I'm I'm always late to the party on this kind of stuff. Ryan Coogler eventually like 
detailed what his script would have been. I did see this, yeah. And it's interesting for those of you that might not have seen this, because um, I saw it while I was putting the notes together today. It was a, it was kind of going to be like a Mandalorian style story. Like, oh, interesting. I haven't heard any about this. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, so, for it. so um, obviously T'Challa got blipped. Uh, he was one of the blipped characters. The story was going to be about when he came back. They had had um, Toussaint before he got blipped. So he was living his life for five years as a kid. Uh, T'Challa gets blipped back. And Nakia had like married a, a Haitian guy because she was living in Haiti. And so the apparently the story was going to be about how he was reconnecting with his son after he was gone for five years. I guess they like fast forward three years or so. So he's like eight. The yeah. kid is eight in the movie. Um, and while he's like, he took, he takes the kid to Wakanda to like show him Homeland or whatever. And like, you know, bop around Wakanda. I don't know what they were going to do. And I guess some shenanigans ensue. And then he has to like defend Wakanda or, or do some actiony type stuff with his son at his side. So do you know if Namor was still going to be in the movie? I think he always planned to have Namor in this movie. Yeah, okay. That I don't know. But. To the point where uh, he had pitched, Ryan Coogler had pitched a post-credit scene for the first one that was going to hint at Namor. Wow. Yeah, it was going to be oh, like cool. a set of watery footprints in the uh, in the Wakandan throne room. Oh, mm. I, I thought you meant yeah. like footprints in the sand. No. It was I who carried you. Yes, it was Namor <laughs> who carried you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that would have been interesting to get like, it, it kind of would have lined up with the craze of the Mandalorian to have like a, a, a movie where T'Challa is Mando and his son yeah. is Baby Yoda. Long <laughs> Panther and Cub. I am okay. I, I'm, maybe this is a bit of a spoiler for the episode, but I am happy with the movie that we got. That sounds like an interesting movie because it'd be interesting to to learn about the dynamic of this child who feels like his father abandoned him, even though it wasn't, it was out of his control. Sure. Uh, and who was sort of without a father and then trying to reconnect with his son in that way. I thought that, that sounds like a really interesting movie that probably I, yeah. in Ryan Coogler's hands would have been incredible. Oh yeah. I bet they would have gone that exact route too, because uh, at the end of this movie, you don't see any at all. So you only get one scene with him, yeah. but you don't see any sort of resentment that this kid could have. Cause he, I th- think he kind of understands, but I think in this other movie, you probably would have seen like, Oh yeah, you left me. Why did you leave me? And mm-hmm. well, I didn't really have a choice. You know, whatever sure, dynamic sure. that is, it's hard to say though. Like, I think this movie accomplished what it was setting out to do, uh, for the most part, but the alternative, you know, I'd rather have the other movie. I mean, yeah, I would, oh, yeah, sure, but like it, it's it, it is from a place of, of, uh, of necessity that right. we have the other movie, right? Obviously, we would have loved to live in a world where Chadwick Boseman didn't tragically pass, and yeah, you know, we would have this other thing. But unfortunately, the reality is that, you know, we this is the movie that we have, and it's an incredible film. But you know, let's jump into it. Yeah, <laughs> buckle up, kids. So this is from themoviespoiler.com, and it's written by Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks, buddy. The film opens with Shuri working tirelessly in her lab as T'Challa is dying from an unknown illness, and she is hoping to find a cure. When she finds a solution that may help, she is met by Ramonda, who somberly informs Shuri that her brother has passed on. This is... The trailers sort of, like, didn't give a full picture. I didn't know how much this was going to be centered around 
the fact that T'Challa wasn't here. Yeah. I didn't know that before going into this movie the first time that the whole movie was literally going to be about how do we move on without T'Challa. And when I sat down in the theater and this whole, this opening scene starts, I was like, oh no, they're like, they're, we're, we're starting here. Like this is where it starts. Like, yeah. and this whole movie is going to be, you know, uh, it's going to be in the DNA of this movie that the, the T'Challa has passed and, and how do we kind of navigate the world without, without him. Right. Especially if you look at like the first Black Panther movie, you look at Shuri, right. In that movie, it's clear she has no intention of ever becoming Black Panther. It doesn't it's clear she doesn't care about any of that stuff. She doesn't care about the throne. She mm-hmm. wants to like be a scientist and do her thing and help her brother, but she doesn't she doesn't want all of this. And so it is very easy to see here in the beginning of this movie that she still doesn't want that. But it is, you know, sometimes a it is sometimes a consequence of great leadership that it is, you know, it's been thrust upon you. Um and so it's interesting. I don't know how you guys felt when the movie started and mm-hmm. you started seeing this cuz like it was almost like a sinking feeling. Like I was like, "Oh, here we like this is it. Like we're going to we're going to live this, right? Like yeah. we've heard about it in the news. We've all been sad about it beforehand, but here we are as an audience collectively living this moment through this film." And they made it so close to what really happened because yeah. they talk about how he suffered in silence. He didn't tell anybody. And that's yep. very much how how it happened in real life. It is incredible that, you know, how many like make a wish things and all these things that Chadwick Postman was doing while he was also battling basically the same thing and like yeah. unfortunately came to his end in the same way and that he found the strength within himself to go and visit all of these children to give them inspiration and light as he was battling something so incredibly dark and I think that's why this movie, one of the reasons why this movie needed to be about T'Challa, it needed to revolve this way. You couldn't have recasted him because he had such light and he was so good, not just as a, mm-hmm. as a character, but as a person. And so when you have someone like that, you have to honor it in a particular way. And I think this movie accomplishes that. So I agree with you that I don't think they could have ever recasted this role Yeah, because you needed to pay your respect to this amazing person yeah watching that scene was just such a gut punch all over again (laughs) um and definitely a reminder of when we each you know found out that he passed in real life i like (laughs) it's weird because i feel like you would say this kind of thing about like i remember where i was when like a bad thing happened like with a, someone who got assassinated sure. like a major political like figure 9/11 or, or like, 911 yeah, yeah, yeah. or a family member or whatever and yet this man i think just cuz i have such respect for him and he just seemed like such a selfless wonderful human and i remember we were sitting at Chris, your grandparents' yeah. table, like playing a game. We were, yeah, we were playing the game. And I, I was going to bring this up too. And you, yeah. all of a sudden, you just look at me like with this shock on your face, and you're like, "Chadwick Boseman died." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I didn't know how to react. I was just, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> like I thought you were kidding, even though there's no way you would say that in jest. Yeah. But like it was just so out of left field. It didn't make any sense. 
obviously because none of us knew what was going on yeah. and yeah well, yeah I was, I was gonna bring that up too just because there are so few celebrities where i can say oh, i remember where i was when i heard this person died and i remember that moment so vividly it's just weird how that is one that sticks with me i think just because it was such a shock yeah this this opening too is like all, what probably 20 minutes 15 20 minutes where I mean, we get this oh and yeah then and then the, we funeral. Get the funeral yeah i think all of that was hard to start a movie with right yeah. because we already knew all of this and yet we're facing it like you said like we're mm-hmm. all in it the hardest part of all of that in the beginning of the movie was watching the Mar- watching the marvel logo come yes. on the screen where everything in the lettering was chadwick mm-hmm. And all the quotes, all the shots of the screenplays were and T'Challa's not, lines. Not a single one of them that wasn't like an action shot or something. He was like the happiest looking human oh my God, you can possibly imagine. Just like being absolutely the goodest of good in all of those images in the lettering. And yeah. complete silence, no background music, just... Listening well, to the people breathe in the theater. Yep, along with yeah. you and hearing sobbing along with you. Yes, that and I remember that. I remember sitting in the theater. I remember that crawl. I remember how quiet it was. I remember the sniffling. I was and, holding my breath because I was trying not to start sobbing loudly in this silent theater. It was. In, <laughs> it it it's. It's one of those theater experiences, and it's so weird to make this comparison, but it, I'm going to make the comparison only because it's memorable. A quiet it's, place? It's like the, no, I was going to say like the portal scene. It was, it is one mm. thing that I like, I rem- like I, I vividly remember that experience. Yeah. Like I remember sitting there. I remember that crawl. I remember the silence. I remember the tears running down my face. Like I remember all of it. Mm-hmm. It is all so... It, 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 it was also powerful. Like there was definitely like a very powerful energy in the room. And I'm not like a, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a signs or like an energy kind of guy. You're but not in, like a chi man. <laughs> yeah, like I feel God in this chilies tonight. <laughs> but like there was an energy in that room. Yeah. When I first saw that, and there was an energy in my house, obviously, when I saw it as well. But like yeah, yeah. that first time where you're all together, all sort of like collectively grieving. Yeah. I mean, it's just it. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. <laughs> Thanks, oh Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Can I talk about something real quick sure. that is not related to any of this? We don't do that here. <laughs> so, we the two movie theaters that are closest to us are Regal Movie Theaters. <laughs> Bailey had the AMC um, like card for a while. A-list. The uh, AMC A-list. Yeah. And then we got Regal because there were a bunch of movies we wanted to see. And so we got Regal since it was closer to us because, you know, sometimes Bailey's mom will come over and she'll watch our son while we go and, like, watch a movie or something. And we've been doing that. The one, the little thing that's sort of like A-list, like Nicole Kidman thing that plays before a Regal movie is awful. Oh, it's so bad. The most obnoxious thing. I don't know if you either of you have seen it. Chris I, told me about it. The yeah, other day. and I told him about it the other day because um, I was, you know, visiting my parents uh, a week, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Danny and I went to a couple, uh, couple movies over up there, and there's a Regal. They have a Regal in their town, and Danny has complained about this before as well. So finally seeing it. Oh boy! It is awful. It's so it's like a bunch of we people. Got that going for me. It's a bunch of people just saying famous movie lines, which sounds okay in theory. It it, it is as the kids say, 
cringe. Uh, it is very, very, fuck, the very kids do say that. cringe. They do. It is. It's not good. The funniest <laughs> thing to me is that Danny Trejo is in it, and he's the only celebrity in it, and he has like two lines, and then he's gone. See, when you told me that, I just wanted him to do the entire Nicole Kidman thing. I, I wanted, wish. I want him to sub in for her and yeah. do that whole yeah, thing. That'd be incredible. I, yeah. I, I would love that. <laughs> just line for line. Wearing and and I want to see Nicole Kidman say, I knew it was you, Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Someone yeah. can deep fake that, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, real sucks. Back to this uh, <laughs> funeral. Uh, the Kingdom of Wakanda holds a funeral procession for their beloved king. Every citizen dresses in white, and a mural of T'Challa has been painted. Shuri and Ramonda bring T'Challa's casket out uh, onto a sh- until a ship arrives to carry him up. Shuri takes one last moment to weep over her brother's casket while the kingdom does the Wakandan salute. I also, uh, it's, it doesn't happen yet, but I want to talk about it here because I started to notice it as I was watching the movie. They save that wakandan fanfare until the very yes, end yes i was thinking about yeah. that too because I, I kept wanting to listen because we kept seeing wakanda but like i oh, remember like that the, first the main uh, yeah and they only do that because because that's almost it's almost like t'challa's theme because yeah. part of that is that, you know you think about him at the at the uh, the waterfall scene where they're doing the challenge and they're all chanting T'Challa as that song is going on. So it almost like, in my mind, I hear that theme and I think T'Challa. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you only hear that at the very end after they've like won. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's when Shuri and Namor are, you know, they come back up together. Mm-hmm. They've all had a collective victory physically yeah. and mentally through the grief. So now we can fanfare. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really powerful moment. I wonder I too if that was an intentional choice by... I don't know if it was Ryan Coogler's choice or Ludwig um, Gordon. Gord- yeah, Ludwig's Gordichov. choice. <laughs> Gordonson. <laughs> What's his last name? Gordonson. 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 Yeah, that that guy. Um, <laughs> but, I was just trying to say some random German name. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what Shuri and and several of the main characters struggle with in this is like that there kind of is no Wakanda without T'Challa. Like it just feels like wrong without him around so maybe like thematically it made sense with the music to like not play that mu- that theme because you as the audience are meant to feel like something's something's off here the fact that he isn't here this doesn't feel like wakanda and you know it would have been a comforting theme and not having it makes us sad right yeah, yeah. for sure and it's because you're not that song almost is a celebration of T'Challa and you haven't reached that stage in your grief yet right if you're going through the seven stages of grief you haven't reached acceptance yet at the beginning of this movie because at the beginning of this movie we're all still very sad and no one has accepted to be fair you could play that one for denial too (laughs) okay fair (laughs) but but I think for the I think uh, it can I think be a little silly, okay? We I think the characters in there. We'll slide whistle every now and then. I mean, the movie does this too. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. the characters kind of show denial a little, yeah, uh, uh, in a more effective way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the movie. I think if it is very much taking us through Shuri's grief journey mm-hmm. as well. So, so it since she takes the longest to actually come to an acceptance, 
um, because her mother does, you know, fairly. I mean, it's in a you know not a bad way, but very fairly quickly, just because of the kind of person she is and someone who has already dealt with so much loss. But you know, she takes a very spiritual approach to it, so she comes to acceptance a little bit more quickly than, or certainly more quickly than Shuri does, uh, who is stuck in denial and anger for most of the movie. Um, so the you know the movie since Shuri is kind of our point of view character. You know, we are kind of going on that. We're on the same stage of grief as she is right. throughout this. Right. I wanted to bring up something because right here is where the uh, the fanfare comes mm-hmm. up. Uh, I uh, yesterday, I think in the discord, I uh, join our discord, join our Patreon. Um, I <laughs> shared I found the actual screenplay uh, of this movie and something interesting. I saw I only you know got a chance to read like the first few pages, but we were talking about how this is silent that was not how it was originally written in the screenplay. It was interesting. It had the Marvel role, and then it was going to be underneath that, instead of music, you were going to be hearing news reports talking about like the world's reaction mm. to uh, T'Challa's death. Uh, I think they made the right choice in keeping it silent. Yeah. Uh, I think that could have been sad, too, but yeah. nothing is sadder than something. Yeah, because I think case. probably what... Because who knows? I don't know if they decided they were going to do... Like, you know, in the writing stage that, oh, we're going to do the actual Chadwick Boseman, you know, Marvel role. So probably when they did that, they're like, we don't want to make this about the character's death. Now we just want to give everyone a moment of silence yeah. to remember this, you know, the, this actual man. One year later, Ramonda arrives at the United Nations. The U.S. Secretary of State chastises Wakanda for not living up to their promises of getting involved in worldly affairs. The French Secretary of State also notes that they believe the Wakandans are keeping vibranium for building weapons of mass destruction. Ramonda hits back that they are still mourning T'Challa's loss and that they know what would happen if vibranium fell into the hands of outsiders. The night before, an outreach facility in Mali was infiltrated by mercenaries trying to acquire vibranium, but they were met by Dora Milaje warriors led by Okoye, all of whom proceeded to swiftly incapacitate them. The Dora Milaje then bring the captured mercs before the UN, where Okoye forces them to kneel. Before they leave, Ramonda warns that any repeated attempts such as this will be met with a fierce response. What this leaves out is that the mercenaries had been hired by France. Right. Um, which I love Okoye looking at the French Secretary of State and saying in French, you're welcome. That was a, a very badass moment. Yeah, I think this whole scene with the Dora Milaje, like... The Dora Milaje theme is incredible. Yes. The, and it's my favorite. With, yeah. And when the doors open and you just start hearing that, you go, oh, yeah. shit. Uh-huh. It's about to Watch go out. down. <laughs> when, uh, Get your towels ready. <laughs> when we were at Disneyland earlier this year, we saw they have a Dora Milaje show out in Avengers Campus, and they play that theme. It's so good. Like When they come out and they you know, bang the spears and Hell stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was very... It's very cool, and I love how it shows them in this really, I don't know. I think people sometimes have an issue with women, like powerful women on screen, but I have never seen anyone say that the Dora Milaje are anything but badass because Mm -hmm. they absolutely are. Also, Angela Bassett's performance. (gasps) Yeah, (laughs) this is where it begins. This is where it starts, but Uh good God. (laughs) She's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout this whole movie. Does she movie. do anything in the movie that's not 10 out of 10? 
No. I mean, she might do a few things at her 11. And it's, <laughs> and the crazy part is, Angela Bassett is not the only person giving a 10 out of 10 performance yeah. in this movie. Mm. It feels like almost everyone, with a few exceptions, and I can't wait to talk about the exceptions. <laughs> you guys can probably guess what the exceptions are that I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say should have literally been cut from the movie. But besides that, I think the movie is incredible. And I think most everyone is giving a 10 out of 10 performance. But then you have Angela Bassett giving like a 15 out of 10 performance. Yeah. And it's just... We'll, we'll get there. And it's going to be uh, Elaine. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. That's what he's going to say. Spoiler warning. Uh, is it more than one person? Yeah, I think two people should have been cut from the movie. Bilbo as well. Oh. I know, yeah. I know his brother. Bye. I know, I, I know exa- <laughs> you should know exactly what two should have been cut because they, they absolutely... They're, let's, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, the show hasn't Ocean. changed one bit. <laughs> <laughs> In the Atlantic Ocean, a CIA team led by Dr. Graham operates with a vibranium detecting machine. Two divers go underwater and find that their mining drill has been wrecked just before the two were taken and killed by unseen attackers. Moments later, a tribe of blue-skinned people, Talokans, emerge and proceed to attack the ship. Killing the people on board, Dr. Graham and her colleague attempt to flee in a helicopter, but Talokan leader Namor grabs the helicopter and hurls it into the ocean. Yeah. The beginning of the scene is terrifying and awe-inspiring. And that first scene of them, of seeing Namor and seeing him be so comic accurate, because like... Namor in the comics is one of those characters, kind of like Aquaman, that's been made fun of for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's just like Merman, who has wings on his ankles, who... He wears tiny trunks. Wears tiny trunks, you know. What do has... people have against fishmen superheroes? Uh, they think they're dumb. I don't know, but huh. they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Would you wear anything more than a Speedo if you lived underwater? If you and had that jacked. body. Yeah, if you're jacked and you live yeah. underwater, like, what do you want him to wear? Yeah. Like, cargo pants? Yeah. Like, um, gotta carry all these seashells. I, I I'm gonna go know. into more detail about the people of Dalokan when we get actually to yeah. the place. Uh, but their first introduction is really, really cool. Yeah. I Giving them siren powers mm-hmm. where they can lure people to their death with their voice, I thought was a really cool touch. I don't think that's something that the uh, the Atlanteans have in the comics, to my knowledge. You can make a horror movie. Well, out of and that like, shit. yeah, I made this. I, I talked about this when we talked about our last episode. I talked about how Shang Chi was so good because they were able to sort of reinvent the character yeah. and kind of strip away all of the stuff that was like maybe like a, even like a little racist and like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they kind of had come before for the character and create yeah. this new pathway for the character. And I think they did a lot of really similar stuff with Namor. Not that Namor was racist before, yeah. but he just wasn't the, it was almost too outlandish. And you know, and so it's, they, it's like their hand was forced because Aquaman had already come out and right. was a big success. Right. It was, a, it was a huge worldwide hit and you're going to get comparisons when they have very similar backstories. They're both, Half human, half Atlantean uh, rulers uh, of Atlantis. They dress similarly, even you know. It, it, there are a lot of they very have the same speedo. Yeah, they have the same speedo, <laughs> which is not fair because Namor came first. Yes, Namor did. Namor, yeah, Namor is like the old, like one of the oldest Marvel characters. Yeah, um, you know, he precedes Captain America even. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, they it was almost like you know, DC had the opposite problem where they're like, well, we can't really do much with Darkseid because Thanos got to the movies first, even though Darkseid was an older character. So, you know, I think, you know, we'll, like you said, we'll get into later, but yeah, they had to reinvent mm-hmm. Namor and I think they did a really fantastic job with it. Ramonda and Okoye return to Wakanda where Ramonda finds Shuri continuing her work on new technology. While her mother suggests that she continue working on her synthetic heart-shaped herb to bring back the Black Panther, Shuri refuses as she believes the Black Panther to be a relic and only tried to recreate the herb to save T'Challa. Ramonda then brings Shuri by the water to try and burn their ceremonial garbs to end the mourning period and begin to celebrate T'Challa's life. Shuri expresses anger at the world for her brother's death. I found this to be so powerful. Yeah. Um, this movie does a thing where it lets these actors sort of like... It lets them breathe for a little bit. There are a lot of moments of of quiet in this movie where it's just two actors, you know, like acting their ass off and like just having a conversation. And this is one of those moments where you have Angela Bassett and you have, um, oh my goodness. Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. And you have them having this performance and, and giving these expressions. You know, the, the line that Sheree says where, you know, if she sits down, it's not going to be... The clothes that she burns, it'll be the world. And that's so, it, it is so, when you're grieving, um, you find that the world becomes a much uglier place because the person that you love is no longer in it. And you start to sort of, I mean, and obviously everybody grieves differently, but and a lot of times you start to sort of lash out at everything around you because how could... How could a world have let this happen? How could a world have let this person pass, this person that was so great? Um, and they, you know, Shuri's, Shuri's emotion here is so natural. You know, we, we've already talked about it a little bit, but there's a lot of, like, the, care, the actor's own grief going into the role. Um, and that, it, it comes across. Anytime T'Challa is mentioned, you can see a little bit of that, that real-life grief that they're still dealing with as they were creating this film. Moments later, they are met by Namor, who tells Ramanda and Shuri that he was not happy with T'Challa's decision to expose Wakanda to the rest of the world, because this left his kingdom open and vulnerable to attackers since Talokans also possess vibranium. Namor orders them to locate and bring him the scientist that created the vibranium detecting machine, or he will attack Wakanda. He also tells them not to let the others know about his existence. And this is our first real look at Namor. So first look is Tenacuartas Namor. Um, and you can sort of see it's a little different, right? It's a little different than what we're normally used to seeing in the comics. You know, it, it, he is clearly of Mexican descent. He is clearly of Mayan descent. He mm-hmm. does not speak Spanish. He speaks uh, ancient Mayan. Yeah, you, uh, it was a Yucatec Mayan, Yucatec I believe. Yucatec Mayan. Um, you know, and a language that is still spoken today. Yes. A lot of people don't realize that there are Maya people, you know, still, you know, still living there. It's very small groups, you know, sadly, but, but right. they're out there. Ramonda tasks Okoye with going to find the scientists, but Shuri tags along despite her mother's objections. She and Okoye travel to Virginia to find Everett Ross, where they ask him about the scientist. To their surprise, Ross informs them that the scientist is a teenager at MIT named Riri Williams. 
Shuri goes to Riri's dorm and informs her that she needs to go with them, while also learning that her vibranium detecting machine was merely a class project that the CIA acquired. Riri doesn't believe the urgency until Okoye pops out of her bathroom and makes Riri go with them. I love Riri Williams. Yeah. I think she's great, and I'm very excited for her show. All of that said, I think the, the concept of the successor to Iron Man's legacy, which is what Ironheart is in the comics, has already happened in the MCU with Spider-Man. I think when they said mm-hmm. Spider-Man is Tony Stark's protege and he literally has the same scene of him building a suit and it's like, oh, he puts on ACDC just like Tony used to do. And like, if you're going to have the protege of, obviously they're going in a different direction with Ironheart, which is good, but Mm -hmm. it is a little weird that we have this character who is supposed to be sort of the next iron person when we already have them and their name is Peter Parker. And don't forget Scrody's still around. Scrody! Scrody. <laughs> I'm kind of glad you said that because on my rewatch today... Uh, Your re rewatch My re rewatch yeah. uh, I did watch her while she was on screen. That is true. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I, I feel like I'm going to be the, the downer in the group mm-hmm. uh, score-wise. I still think this is a great movie. Um, I looked. Your score is not that much of a downer. It's, it's not. It's not. But <laughs> you I, made it sound like you were going to give it like a a five or something. No, like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. I mean, I just this is a tough movie to talk about because yeah. it is such a it is such an important movie, mm-hmm. but it is heavy, and I think there are some parts of it that maybe detract from that feeling that we were having, I think maybe we could have felt it a little more if certain parts of the movie were maybe saved for something else or uh, Interesting. Yeah. or spoiler alert to what I'll say later, this was maybe divided up into an episodic format. But we'll get back to that later. I, I love Riri as well. I almost kind of wish she wasn't in the movie. Maybe like a little bit of a teaser at some point. Um and I don't know what I would do with that teaser. I don't know what scenes you wouldn't... Like, I, I don't know what you would do for the scene she was in if she wasn't in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, let me say this. Not I, only do I agree with you on the protege yeah, thing, yeah. but I almost think she adds too much happy to this movie where we're not quite there yet. I don't know. Um, I will disagree with you there um, because I think it is good that this movie has moments of levity sure one because that way it doesn't just become an oppressive you know grief you know you know three hours of us being sad yeah but i think that's also how grief works right because oh i know you will have a moment where you'll find yourself laughing and being happy and enjoying things and then you feel bad and you shouldn't feel bad but sometimes you do yeah yeah you know and and i think it's important that we have some levity in this um, just because, you know, grief is, you know, one of the saddest things you go through, but even, even at its worst, you, you will have, you know, these moments of happiness. And, and, you know, we see Shuri like, like in these scenes with Riri, like this is, you know, you're like rooting for Shuri here because like, Oh, are you starting to move past this a little bit? And, and then she, you know, yeah, you know, falls right back into it. But I don't want to sound like I'm like 
like gatekeeping happiness either. And I, I agree with you. Like you do have moments, even when you're grieving of like, Hey, I was happy for an hour today. This was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, this is more of me workshopping out loud because I don't know that I, I need her removed from the movie. It's not like a get, get her out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, I don't know. I think this movie is very long mm-hmm. and, Part of why I think it could be better episodic is because you could take these moments and you could build on them a little bit more. And I don't know. Well, I, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. I like the dialogue. I really like Riri Williams in this movie. I could have cut out all of Ironheart in this movie. Yeah. I didn't need Ironheart in the movie. Yeah, maybe just the first part. Yeah, and then, I think have her just be the scientist yeah. and then save her becoming Ironheart for her own thing. For her show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really liked her as a person in this movie. The whole suits and like her being Ironheart thing, take it or leave it you, for me. You know, it's know? interesting. I really like her um, her homemade suit in this movie, and I really don't like the Wakandan version because and and I looked this up. It's pretty comic accurate, but she looks like a Power Ranger, and yeah. we've talked about Power Rangers extensively on uh-huh. the show. <laughs> Obviously, we think Power Rangers are cool, but when she comes flying into the air in the final fight scene, I'm like, you should be in a Zord or something. Like, <laughs> do you know what it reminds me of? Deoxys, the, oh my the Pokemon. Gosh, it does look like <laughs> Deoxys. Deoxys. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's even better than Power Ranger. That's funny. I'm going to show Angela a picture of Deoxys now because <laughs> I, I get the feeling she does not. <laughs> While he's doing that, I want to. I like what you said about workshop out loud because I feel like my thoughts are not <laughs> in order. Yeah, but, it's, tough. Um, it's a tough thing to talk about. Yeah, I'm also rusty on podcasting. <laughs> 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 um, but I feel like Riri and like she's a protege of Shuri in a way. Sure. In this movie, um, but she's like it's like she's. And and in the same way that Tom Holland's Spider Man is a, I feel like he's a little bit of a protege of Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Riri is the kind of spiritual successor to Tony Stark, if that makes sense. Like, it and this just occurred to me now, like the fact that she builds this machine. And doesn't realize like the implications of it mm-hmm. and like what it could be used for. And Tony, granted, Tony, I think he had more of a handle and like kind of knew what he was doing. But the fact that he, in all of his genius, built all these intense weapons that were then used for mass destruction and and means that he did not originally intend like being used by terrorists and all of that um only riri seems like a much better person <laughs> than tony stark yeah. but just you know what i mean like someone who's so much of a genius that their projects maybe get a little out of hand and it's not what they intended sure. to happen and and then obviously because she's got the iron suit like she's mm. the successor in that sense but like but I feel like in this movie, she's more the protege of Shuri. And like she, the last, sorry to jump ahead, but the last scene, one of the last scenes where Shuri walks in to the lab and it definitely mirrors T'Challa walking into the lab in the first movie. Mm-hmm. 
meeting up with Shuri and and here she's meeting up with Riri to see what Riri's been working on yeah. and you know like sure. it's definitely a parallel there so that's a good point yeah I'm I'm really interested to see like what her show actually ends up being about like what what's the angle they're taking on her story because I doubt that they're going to go the way they did in the comics where an AI version of Tony Stark helps her out you know I, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be getting Robert Downey Jr. back for that you know Back to like what what you were saying about like, you know, maybe too much Ironheart in the movie. Mm-hmm. It is like the one thing in this movie that feels like a, a tease for something that's coming later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't bother me too much though because her machine being the impetus for every single thing that happens, uh, you know, in the conflict between Talakan and Wakanda, you know, it actually works. Like they made it. Oh yeah, yeah. They made her an integral part of the story. Uh, so so it doesn't feel too much like uh uh and tune in to Ironheart on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like they, they make it work as her own thing. You know, just like they did with T'Challa in Civil War. I didn't feel like uh and don't forget next year Black Panther, it's you know, it's an important part of the story. So I think they, you know, handled it well. I I definitely hear the argument about not having Ironheart be so heavily involved in the finale though um because we already have two other people in flying vibranium suits and, as well with the midnight angels right and that is where it starts to really kind of they kind of overlap each other a lot is that like you have this whole thing with riri williams and then you have the like you see the like the tony stark her head in like a black space mm-hmm. with like the like tech around it and then you see the exact same thing with the midnight angels and you're like well that we just did this. They could have had her like back in the lab, but like still playing a part in what's happening. Exactly. Just like Shuri in the first Black right, Panther. Right. So Riri leads Shuri and Okoye to her garage where she works on her projects. Soon, FBI agents arrive at the garage, forcing the ladies to spring into action and flee. Riri gets her own armor suit that helps her fly while Shuri and Okoye attempt to drive away. And you get one of the best lines in the whole movie. Oh, she got an Iron Man suit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is, okay, to pause you again, sorry. This is part of why I kind of, I I started, this was the scene where I started thinking about, do I want this to be a show and not a movie? And and Hmm. I'm annoyed that I keep having, like, I, we, whoever. I want to have a discussion about this because I I disagree that I think the, I don't think this could have worked as a, uh, a show, um, but I want to talk about it with you because I do yeah. understand that this movie does go a little long. Well, this scene in particular, I think I like the the banter that the three of these characters are having throughout their different scenes before this chase. I also think that it feels uh, like eerily clunky. I do not know how to describe. I don't. I do not know how to explain this. But when I watch the scene with them in the garage. Something about it feels like it was their first take and everybody refused to do another take. Something about like the the lines that they say to each other, maybe they're just slightly too far apart or the writing maybe just needed a little bit of a tune up. I don't know what it is about the scene where I watch it and I'm like, this feels so weird. I know you don't mean it this way, but you saying the writing needs a tune up reminds me of that. The video game commercial where it's like, oh, oh tighten oh, up the yeah. graphics on level three. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. We've referenced that twice. Yeah. In two podcasts in a row. I think That's so. Crazy. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know what it is about, and that's what got me thinking, like, why is it spaced like this? Why do I feel weird? Like, could we just have some more time? And actually, I didn't timestamp this or anything, but if we're going to talk about it now anyway, let me pull up in my notes because yeah, because I made a little note. I think I, I overall, the, the spoiler for the end is I think the pacing is just kind of strange in this movie. I think there are some, like, like you said, we have these moments where these characters are just talking, and I think those are necessary because of what's happening in the background and, and in the foreground and everything. I think all of it's necessary, but it makes the speed of the movie feel very strange. And I think you can kind of solve that by busting it into six episodes. You have episode one, which can be entirely devoted to Chadwick's like the first 20 minutes of the movie are maybe you end, you end that with, um, you end that with, um, the siren thing. You end that with the that boat scene where um, Namor throws the helicopter into the sea, whatever. Uh, the second episode, we meet Riri. Riri, we end with the chase. I know it's hard to say that fast. Wee 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 wee. We meet her. We have the chase scene. You can end with the chase scene and that really cool fight between Okoye and the Atuma. Atuma, yeah. Episode three, you've got like the tour of Talokan after Shuri goes with them to Talokan um, and end that with Nakia, Nakia saving her uh, because now we have like motive for revenge, right? She came in, she shot the one, uh, the girl that was like feeding them or whatever. Uh, episode four, the Wakandan invasion and uh, Ramonda dying. That's a good end to an episode two, like leave you on a little cliffhanger. Episode five, we remake the herb. We have the Killmonger reveal on that episode. And we get Shuri in the Black Panther suit because episode five of every Disney Plus series, you have to see the new suit. So you put all that in one episode. And then the final episode is the big fight, like everything that culminates in the fight. I think you can divide this movie up into six episodes, still tell the same story, give the characters a little bit of time, and because the movie's already almost three hours long anyway, you really only have to add, on average, like 10 minutes to each episode to get what the average Disney Plus minutes is. You think about, like, uh, they start off a little long and they work their way down, the Disney Plus shows. On average, they're about 40-ish minutes per episode. There you go. You got you got 40 minutes an episode if you add a little bit of stuff here and there and you can do all the, the same things and the pacing isn't affected that much. I'll start by saying that I don't I didn't feel the problems with the pacing as much as you did. I do mm-hmm. think there are like this scene maybe like a little bit like here and there. Um, mostly I think that this movie would not work as a TV show because the emotional through line of this movie needs to happen throughout the entire like I don't think you could stop for a week with the emotional through line of this movie and then break it up that way. Like, I think it, I think you don't think you'd still feel sad week to week (laughs) or you don't want to feel sad week. to week. I think the movie is designed and written in a way where your emotion is, it, it, it is not, it is a flow chart throughout the movie. And you need that, that feeling of, of tension and release that the ending of the movie gives you for it to be truly satisfying. I think if you have, especially maybe like the beginning episodes where they're literally just about death and nothing else, it doesn't accomplish what the movie needs to do, which is to help you help you grieve throughout the movie's 
the movie's time span. Like I don't think it would. I don't think it would be successful that way. Not to mention mm. just with how the Disney Plus shows have been going. Yeah, yeah we need a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust that they would have hit all the emotions right. right. Like really, the only Disney Plus Marvel episode that has made me emotional and feel things was the next to last WandaVision. Um, especially when she breaks down and um, like creates the chaos magic that creates her version of Westview and everything like that scene is just so hard to watch, but like it also just makes you feel so many things. Um, But none of the other shows have really done that for me. And I just don't know. Plus, I mean, then there's the whole fact that I think, fans would have rioted if they were like jk we're not doing a sequel we're doing a show of maybe black panther you know the sequel (laughs) and and some people might have taken it to be kind of disrespectful to chadwick boseman to like relegate his you know celebrating him and his legacy to a show instead of doing a full-length feature film. I'm confused on that, and I'm confused on why you both immediately agreed. Why would it be different movie to TV? The, the movies are bigger and more important than the TV shows. That's hmm. that's just how people view it. Gotcha. I mean, that's... I think the movies are still the main thing. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. And I... One of my complaints about this movie is it's so much movie... Like, because it is three hours long and there are very few movies that I would want to be that long. Like, Mm -hmm. the one that is top of my head is, like, Return of the King. Um, And I'll watch the extended version of that, too. Yes. I'll I'll sit and watch that for four (laughs) hours. I love the extended versions (laughs) of all three. Um, But, like, it's rare that, like, I... I just feel like this movie needed to be like half an hour shorter or even 20 minutes, 20 minutes shorter. I would have taken that where the cuts would have happened. I don't know. And I agree with you that the pacing I got you could have been a little better. <laughs> you don't get half an hour out of those two I, characters. I, I got you. I'll tell you where the cuts are going to be. Okay. You get enough time. <laughs> you don't get half an hour. You get maybe 20 minutes. No way. More than you think there. The, the, the scenes. Let's just keep going. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, See, because that's kind of where I got to as well was like, I don't know what you cut, so maybe make it a show instead. I think the like, I don't know, guys. I, know, I, th- I think you are right that maybe this movie has a little too many threads. It's got a little too much going on. And I think we can sort of say we don't really know where the cuts would need to happen. But it yeah, does yeah, definitely yeah. have one, perhaps maybe two, too many storylines and and threads um there's also just i it's like i can't i I don't know if you would agree but like i can't put my finger on what it is but just some stories feel like they should be a movie not a tv show you know that is 100 true feel like they should be a tv show like Hmm. i honestly i would have preferred a falcon and winter soldier film yeah yeah well i mean that's that's kind of why i said i don't want to be the guy that keeps saying this but we keep having that discussion yeah. on this show is hey maybe secret invasion should have been a movie hey maybe falcon and the winter soldier should have been a movie maybe hey, eternal should have been a tv maybe show maybe eternal yeah. should have been a tv I show agree like with eternals being a tv yeah show. <laughs> like yeah. we keep coming back to that and so i don't want to sound like a broken record but i also 
I feel like it could work in this case. And I don't, I guess I don't un- necessarily understand why. Maybe they'd have to change their distribution format for this one, like make it a TV show, but give us all six episodes at once. Um, so we can have that through line. If we wanted to, we could sit there and watch four hours of something. But to, I don't but know then, if I agree with you guys. But then they don't have control over how you watch it then. Why do they need that? This Be- is not about, this is about us feeling a thing. Yeah, but yeah. if they're trying to engineer a certain reaction out of an audience and they have a story to tell and if they want you to watch it all at once they're going to make it one thing as opposed to dropping all six episodes and saying you know some people will binge it but some people will spread it out and not experience it the way you know it that was they're intended to yeah right? like it yeah it to me intent- this is very much a single story that is just can't be broken up into multiple segments yeah, for me hmm I don't think I can get on the same page as you with that because I could use that logic for any time we come up with that. You know, I could say, yeah, I know you would rather have Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a movie, but they intended for us to watch it in six episodes spread out week to week. Well, there's intention and delivery as well. Right, right, right. Um, And I don't know. Part of it feels like a money thing. I know you're not getting any of the money. I know none of you are getting any of the money. I'm not getting any of the money, but like... If you want me to feel a certain way about a really good person that passed away, does it really matter if it's at the movies or in my home? Like, is your goal to make money? Is your goal to honor this person? Yeah, the goals are make money. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, sad. You know, I mean, not the people actually making the movie, yeah. but how you know, the people distributing it. Successful Black Panther was. There's no way the sequel was ever insane. going to be a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Because money. To dump it onto <laughs> streaming? money. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know there's not... We've talked about this before, too, that there's not really money in streaming, but I almost wonder how many people you get to download your streaming service to just because a Black Panther thing is there instead. Well, we'll find out when the Wakanda TV series comes out in a few years. Oh, is that thing? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I think there's going to be a... I think there's going to be a show about the Dora Milaje. Hmm. I think is something I heard. Maybe we'll yeah. circle back. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll circle back with data. While Shiri and Okoye attempt to drive away, a drone goes after them, but Riri flies high enough to shoot it down before she runs out of oxygen. The drone then crashes over several cop cars, allowing Shiri and Okoye to keep going. Let me tell you, the drone crashes, crashes in all these cop cars, and they're like, yay, and thanks, Riri. And I looked at Ben and I go, those guys are all dead. <laughs> she just murdered all of them. <laughs> a big explosion, right. vehicles crashing into each other. I also love every time Shuri, or not Shuri, um, Okoye does anything uh, with a vehicle and a spear yes. combination. Yeah. Yes. Watching her tow truck the guy by like uh-huh. running reverse into him and just flipping him with the spear and then taking it out of the back seat like... Okay, cool. Sick. Yeah. Fucking battle bots over here. I don't think it quite topped her spear car trick from the first movie, but it was no. damn good. It was still yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, they are stopped when the Talokans uh, corner them on a bridge and throw a water bomb at them, causing Shuri to lose consciousness. I think the water bombs are really cool. Yeah. yeah. I think they're just a really cool visual. I had to really think about those for a while because the first time this we see this one mm-hmm. in theaters, I was like... So like, like a, what a water balloon like yeah. 
ow. <laughs> you know? But you think about like an actual explosion with a bunch of probably scalding hot water yeah. coming at you. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, that would probably hurt. You know what's a really cool visual? The killer whale just flipping guys off of its <laughs> yeah. tail. So I don't know. So Atuma in the comic books is like a half man, half killer whale. Oh, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. And so it is cool that he comes up off of a killer whale. Okay, I did not know there. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Neat. I know that because of Marvel Snap, because he's a card Marvel Snap. Oh. <laughs> Riri also crashes upon the scene, and the Talokans attempt to capture her, but Okoye engages in battle with them, seemingly killing three soldiers before facing the general, Atuma. He nearly kills her with her own spear until she shocks it out of his hands, and the other three Talokans rise unharmed. When Okoye attempts to continue fighting, she is knocked off the bridge. Shiri regains consciousness and tells the Talokan to take her with them, so they take her and Riri. She like uh she calls Parlay. <laughs> she, yeah. yeah, she does. <laughs> I've seen this somewhere before. <laughs> I'm disinclined right, to ask to your requests. Here we go, everyone. Ross goes to the crime scene on the bridge the next day where he's met by Contessa Valentina DeFontaine, as she is now director of the CIA. Ross locates Shiri's Kamoyo beads. Uh, and secretly takes them with him. Also, we find out that she's his ex-wife. And the CIA director. I think you might have just said that, but that was, new, that was news to us at this point. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. this movie probably got some money from Peloton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cut these two people from the movie. Why are they in this movie? Someone tell me the point of them being in this movie. Uh, well, I, I'm not going <laughs> to fully go to bat for Ross, but I think you should definitely cut uh, Val. Val from the movie. If you cut Val from the movie, what's Ross's role in the movie? To be the guy that Ross for is, a second helps Shuri do stuff. He's 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 Ramonda's um, outside contact. Uh, he's the one that's keeping uh, you know the U.S. from going to war with Wakanda. Sure, sure. So, and how so, is that all resolved? Spoiler alert: It isn't. Well, yeah, but he doesn't know that. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, I'm talking about this yeah. movie. In the movie, yeah. the whole the U.S. wants to go to war with Wakanda for this is wholly unnecessary. The, the U.S.'s involvement in this whole thing doesn't need to be there. It could literally just be conflict with Wakanda and Talokan and how Talokan wants to go to war with the world and Wakanda does not want them to yeah. do that. The U.S. doesn't they, need to be involved they kinda at just, all. They kind of just listen to Ross. They're like, okay. Yeah, and they, they just go, whatever. <laughs> and then they find out later, oh, Ross, you lied. And so at the end of the movie, we get the scene of Ross getting broken out of a j- like a jail car or whatever. That's it. The rest of it, it, like, it doesn't actually influence anything of the movie. It felt like they just wanted to have these characters there. I guess, did they need a character that was kind of on the inside when it comes to, like, the U.S. government and everything because well, of the whole thing with... Riri's machine, yeah, and that starts off he's the link to and them. their you know issue that they have with Wakanda and with the people on the surface. Maybe, and... but why did we need? Why did the CIA need a face? They needed somebody that Wakanda could talk to. That that's the thing is that he's the only way that the Wakandans get that information because he's their guy on the inside. Sure. So we could have had that one scene of him being like, here's where Riri is. And then he didn't show his face again. Yeah, I don't think we really need him for more than just a little bit of help. And And I think Val being in the movie seems more like the studio saying, we're going to use her soon, so you better put her in. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like every time Val has been... And I like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So this character 
could be really great whenever she gets her actual big movie or show, whatever big part she's actually going to end up happening. Yeah, probably, probably Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts right? Yeah. Um, but so far, the way that they've used her, like in the post credit scene of Black Widow and the way they used her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and... And then in this movie, I feel like it's just very confusing for the audience, especially if you don't know who this person is at all. Like you haven't read the comics, you know, you don't know who Val is like, I don't know. I just she's so random. Like I just and I know that Nick Fury was sort of handled that way a little bit, how he just sort of showed up in the Iron Man post credits. But like I don't know, I just feel but like. But then he immediately stated his job title and intentions. I feel, yeah, I, I feel like his introduction made more sense and was better explained and handled. And with her, she's just so random. And she, I, it reminds me of, of uh, like of Amanda Waller. If you are familiar with her from the DC movies, she's yeah. the mm-hmm. one that makes the Suicide Squad. She's played by um, Viola Davis, yeah, who's incredible. Um, and it just doesn't. It doesn't fit in this movie. Like it doesn't. She doesn't need to be in the movie. Uh, what's his name? It barely needs to be in the movie. The United States barely needs. Like I. I think that is where the bloat is for me. I think those parts are the ones where I'm like, why? I am looking at Wakanda and Talokan. Why I am? Why am I in the Hobbit's uh, kitchen right now? <laughs> why do I care about? Them? Why are we here? Yeah. There's all of these incredible places and sets and things going on. Why am I in this You really think that's 20 minutes of movie, though? You talk about this scene. You talk about the scene where they're in the thing. You talk about the scene where they're in a conference room, and you know how I feel about conference rooms. (laughs) (laughs) What? I Okay, I will say, I think you can cut the kitchen scene and the the car scene at the end. I, I think those can be taken out, and I don't think much changes. I do think that what the other stuff that they were doing is kind of too tied up in it because if you start taking out the international concern about Wakanda you take out what put what pitted Wakanda well, no, and Talakan against each other in the first place. You still have the international concern about Wakanda because you had the initial UN scene. That is what paints the picture for international concern about Wakanda. We don't need to continue being like, hey guys, remember, we're still concerned about this. No, we already saw. But when it's that the, the United States that got Riri Williams' machine involved, that's still. Like yeah, but part of the story. What there. I'm That's saying still... is that it doesn't need to be the United States. It doesn't need to be anyone. It could just be the world. It like well, literally... then, then you're cutting Riri though. If if you're making it just the world, well, no, you're... because you could say it's the UN, and you don't have to like. We've already established that the world, the UN, is upset about this thing. We've already we've got Riri Williams here who has built this device for and but like. It doesn't need to be like, oh, the um, America is going to go to war with Wakanda if this doesn't happen. It's just like, oh no, the world's pissed off, and they've already started. Like, Talokan doesn't need, like their their motivation is not like the Wakanda's motivation doesn't need to be that America is going to like blame them. They're already getting blamed, right? Like the UN can blame them. Like it doesn't need to be these people here. But it if if you want to get Riri into it, though, it has to be the US because like. France isn't going to come and say, hey, someone at MIT built this thing. Let me go grab it. Yeah, but <laughs> you like. Know? I'm not saying that like Ross and Val need to be big parts of this. I, I agree with you that it can certainly be cut down. I just don't think they can be cut completely. I would cut them completely. I'd cut them right I'm now. I'm wondering too. I'm not saying this as like a defense just as a I wonder if this is 
what they were trying to do um, is set up. Because like near the end, Namor says to. Namora. Namora. Yeah. (laughs) So close. Um, That Wakanda is going to turn to them Mm -hmm. because Wakanda is going to be in trouble with. I'm assuming the U.S. and or the world (laughs) soon. And I feel like Val is going to be a player in that because she has that bit in the kitchen scene where she's like, well, Ross says, you know, what do you think the U.S. would do if we had all of that vibranium? Oh, and she's like, I would dream about it. She said, I would dream of that, actually. Like, she's clearly got, you know, shitty intentions. Mm Mm-hmm there it's really interesting now that we've all seen oppenheimer to watch okay except for you uh to then watch someone be like i wish we had all the vibranium like that's exactly what an american would say yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true (laughs) yep i'm not saying it's justified no 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 no. i I feel like they're setting stuff up that could absolutely be the case because we don't that storyline isn't resolved right like by the end of that kitchen scene we find out that ross lied and she knew about it the whole time and then that's kind of where that plot line fizzles and we don't really discuss it at the end so it's a good chance that they're like leaving that for the for another film but i don't think this movie like uh, if it is being led for another film i don't think it like needed to happen Mm -hmm. like if we could have just saved that for another film it could have been saved for something else like i don't that specific plot line i think could have been moved Hey, which Ross do we think that was? I was gonna, I was saying, I'm gonna bring <laughs> up Scross? like when do you <laughs> think Ross? Yeah, or now, did he get captured by scrolls after he got rescued by Okoye? That's the thing. Is that's the only thing that makes sense? There's because what's what's the him being name? Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman. I keep wanting to say Martin Short, and I know it's wrong. <laughs> He's a short. He is short. Yeah. Martin's is a short. Yeah, a uh, But yeah, yeah. This movie doesn't make sense if Ross is a scroll. I'm just throwing that out I there agree. right now. I agree. None um, of it makes sense if anyone's a scroll, Chris. Yeah, I know. That's the other thing. Um, I'm fairly confident he's not a scroll yeah. in this. Well, I, I said this on our Secret Invasion episode, but Martin Freeman is like, I did not play him as a scroll. I will be very upset if it turns out he was. Yeah. Um, well, and we when we see him, he's in the same clothes that he was in at the, at the first season. Yeah. Right? I took that as he got caught on his way to meet this guy. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it. Mm. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was too busy wondering how they're all alive with the radiation. Mm-hmm. Okoye returns to Wakanda before the council to ask Armanda to lead a team underwater to find Shuri, but for her failure in keeping Shuri safe, Ramanda strips Okoye of her rank as general and her possession or position as Dora Milaje. And this is a scene that should have won her the Oscar. Absolutely. 100%. Sure. And it is... Really upsetting that she didn't win because oh this gosh. seems incredible. When, when she's, she was like, I am the queen of the most powerful nation in the world and I have lost everyone. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Ramonda goes to Shuri's lab and asks her AI, Griot, to track Shuri's beads. She gets in touch with Ross, who secretly speaks to her behind Val's back. Oh, right. Another scene of them just in a car talking. God, every time they're in this movie, I get upset. He tells Ramonda that the CIA believes Wakanda is responsible for the attack on the mining ship, but Ramonda cannot tell him much about Namor's involvement. Ramonda goes to Haiti, where she finds Nakia working at a school uh, ever since the blip. 
While she and Ramonda are happy to see each other, Ramonda t- uh, notes that Nakia was absent from T'Challa's funeral. Nakia tells her she couldn't bear to think of it as being the end of his life, even though Ramonda reminds her that for Wakandans, death is never the end. She asks Nakia to help in rescuing Shuri. Nakia goes to speak to a local village woman in the Yucatan Peninsula as she has seen Namor and describes his legend as Kukul Khan, or the Feather Serpent God. I love that line of, uh, it's later in the movie, where you have Umbaku and he goes, they call him Kukulka. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, just the pause of, what, you think because we live in the mountains we don't read books? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Man, I just want to say now, but I'm sure we're going to talk about it with Talakan. Making him a Kukulkan uh, analog. Mm-hmm. Such a smart idea. Yeah. Incredible. It it even makes the wings make sense. Yes. You know? <laughs> Down in Talokan, Shuri is given traditional garbs to wear before her meeting with Amor. He begins to tell her his backstory. In 1571, his mother was part of a village that had been plagued by smallpox after the arrival of Spanish conquistadors. The people turned to the god Shock for salvation. They found a blue material underwater that they ingested to cure them of their ailments, but while it removed their sicknesses, it turned their skin blue and forced them underwater since they could no longer breathe air. Namod was born different from the others, with wings on his ankles and the ability to breathe on land and underwater. His mother died heartbroken due to missing her life on the surface, and when he went to bury her, he found the conquistadors raiding and enslaving the villagers. Namod and the Talokans attacked with one priest referring to Namor as un niño sin amor, a child without love. And that's where he got his name, Namor. And that's so smart, too. Oh, my God. Do you know how Namor really got his name in the comics? No. It's Roman spelled backwards. God damn it. (laughs) I hate knowing that. Yeah. (laughs) They made it make so much sense. Um, Also... They didn't mention this, but this is when he says, I was a mutant. Yep. And he just like, says it. Oh, yeah, he said the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting thing because you don't say that like accidentally. Yeah. Uh, but we're still waiting. We're yeah. still waiting. <laughs> he takes Shuri further and shows her his kingdom, a prosperous and thriving nation not unlike Wakanda. He, uh, and he asks Shuri to help protect their kingdoms against the rest of the world. The decision to make... The people of Talokan and Namor, Mayan, ancient Mayan, is so incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. The uh, Puerto Ricans and the people in the Caribbean had a native people. They were called Tainos. They were uh, exterminated by the Spanish. Um, and it is wonderful to see this kind of representation in a movie. I think it's yeah. so incredible to see... Uh, you know, uh, native Latin people. I mean, and they're not—they're they're from Latin America, but they're not native Hispanic people. They're native to Latin America. Yeah, indigenous. You know, they're indigenous groups. That, like you said earlier, that a lot of people don't even realize still exist. Yeah, and it is incredible to see that kind of nuanced representation that isn't surface level if that makes sense it's not just it's underwater we had the one hispanic guy in our movie we we fit our quota it is no we have explored this person's entire culture and and shown it from a, a multiple 
like multiple levels. I love the the comparisons to Wakanda that they show here. It's a yeah. lot of like that scene that we see with Nakia and T'Challa when they're first walking through Wakanda in the original Black Panther is mirrored a lot in here with all of the like shops and vendors yeah. and all the food and all the people coming up. It's all very, very similar and it's so cool to see. It is so much better than this just being Atlantis. Yeah, 100%. It is like significantly 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 better and it is wonderful to see them have another group that has been you know uh, i think indigenous people have been have gotten a really rough (laughs) rough go of it for a really 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 long time yeah Uh, and so uh it's wonderful that they're they're representing them as well yeah you know they they take some fantastical liberties i think they blend some aztec um things in there as well so it's not just straight maya but like it's very very cool like the art that they use i love uh that when they're doing the flashbacks and when they go to talacan you know normally whenever they show like on screen you know the uh title card of like of like where they are when they show the location it comes up in wakandan first and then translates into uh, english but whenever it's talacan related it comes up in uh, like the Mayan written language first, uh, the you know the pictographs, which is very cool. Real oh, actually, just remember, just real quick, I want to say I love what they do with the subtitles in this movie. The color coding of the subtitles, yeah. mm-hmm. fantastic. I was so afraid they were going to mess that up when they put it on Disney Plus because so many times movies when they get a home release, the subtitles aren't actually part of the master. Mm. Um, so they just use, you know, the DVD or streaming service subtitles instead. Um, but like there was a very conscious choice to color code where, you know, Wakandan, I, I forget the actual name of the language, but, you know, the, you know, the African language is in yellow. Uh, and then the. Uh, is it like Gosa or something? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the um, the Yucatec is in blue. And then other languages, you know, because you get a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of French that's in white. Uh, but it's really, you know, there are moments where like that is actually used to great effect because, you know, to the untrained ear, we know might not be able to tell the difference between some of the different languages, but like, um, when Nakia is talking to the woman, she's speaking in Spanish to her. And then when she finally gets her attention by saying, I saw him too, she says that in Yucatec. Uh, and you can tell because the color changes from uh, white to blue when she says it. And it's just a really smart way to, you know, convey that to an audience that might not be able to just tell it by ear. And cool that they let her speak Spanish in this movie, because if you don't know, she is Mexican. Yeah, yeah. I learned that today, too. She She is is Mexican-Kenyan. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like this movie was like a showcase of how many languages can we have. Which is cool, speak. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. So cool. A moment um, of appreciation for Lupita Nyong'o, by the way. Uh, yes. Maybe oh. my favorite actress. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, oh, not that kind of appreciation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, appreciate her you, however you, you wish. Certainly appreciate I appreciate that her way. in every way. All right? Uh, Married people. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Go appreciate each other in a different room. I also just want to say that I think <laughs> Namor is probably one of my favorite Marvel villains. Yeah. 
because they handle him really well in the same way they handled Killmonger, where you kind of, you're like, I see his point. Like, yeah, yeah. You completely understand why he became the way he is and yep. why he believes what he believes. You know, seeing what he saw as a child when he went to bury his mother and, you know, the effects of colonization and all of that and and slavery and, and everything. And, and it's such a, Talokan is such a great, like mirrored example of what they achieved with Wakanda in the first movie of just what if indigenous people could, you know, just live their lives and build this great city and not be touched by, you know, Western civilization and colonization and, you know, just the great things that could come from that. And um, and I just love that theme throughout this movie is the parallels between Talakan and Wakanda. I think it's just yeah. really, really powerful. And obviously it's what changes Shuri's mind in the end. So love it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Namor is really cool. And I think it is um, really cool that like, Talokan has has like sort of taken shape as this place of like of like home for them that they're like separated away but also like culture wise I think we as Americans sometimes because America is such a large place tend to view cultures through the the lens of an American like why would they think that way I don't think that way here it's not popular to think in this kind of way here but the way that they deal with any number of things could be different because they've lived, they live different lives. The way they have, you know, their rules of like yeah. modesty or their rules of like the, not rules, but like their feelings on death or their feelings on all these different things could be so different from us because they just live somewhere else where that culture instructs them to live in a different way, right? Their, their feelings on morality and what morality means to them and what is what is just and what is not just. That's all different. And I think we as Americans could probably do a better job of trying to understand other cultures better with that, rather than just being like, oh, that's different than what we do here. It must be wrong. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yep. it is cool to just see another culture and see them living in a different way, you know? I, I studied anthropology in college, and that's a big thing like in your first intro to anthropology class they talk about ethnocentrism and what that is is that's not like racism what that is is we all see things through our own cultural lens like you said and you have to train yourself if you are going to study other cultures you have to kind of train yourself to not just think about it as an american or you know a french person whoever whatever you might be and you know you have to not like forget everything that you know about your culture, but just know that that doesn't affect this other culture at all that you're studying. So you have to remember, you know, you have to kind of fight through that a little mm -hmm. bit to understand. That's got to be hard for most people to do. Oh, yeah. it's yeah, People it's can't even handle well, someone else's text message being green without calling them a serial killer. Yeah. Like. And, and that's <laughs> that's like a, it's like a very American thing. But if you go to somewhere yeah. like Europe where there are all of these cultures constantly mixing and constantly around each other, it's probably a lot easier over there because you're always seeing other cultures there. Yeah. And, you know, with the U.S. being so big, right. we got a lot of cultures, but, you know, a lot of them are, you know, in pockets. Like, you know, like there's certainly... New England is a certain way. The South is a certain yeah, way. Yeah, California yeah. is a certain way. You got way. the people that... that put beans in chili and then you have Robbie <laughs> yeah. ready to kill all of those people. 
Nakia begins her mission to recover Shuri and Riri. Meanwhile, Ramanda meets with Amor after she speaks to Ross, who informed her that the CIA is seeking to take action against Wakanda for the mining ship attack. When she tells Namor to accept responsibility for it, he warns Ramanda about taking retaliatory action against the Wakandans if they threaten Talokan's exposure. Nakia makes her way underwater and neutralizes Namor's cousin, Namora, before she can attack Shuri. Another Talokan warrior grass, uh, grabs Shuri, but Nakia hits her with a fatal sonic blast. She escapes with Shuri and Riri, but Namor finds the warrior as she dies, taking it as an attack on Wakanda's part, so he leads his warriors to strike back. And the important here is that Shuri is like, we need to heal her. I can heal her. This is going to mean war. Like, she knows exactly where this is leading. Yep. I mean, it's also powerful, and it's also tragic, right? Like, you could see where these two civilizations could have just lived in peace and could have helped each other. They're so similar. They have all of these similarities. They could have worked together, and it is so tragic to see them go yeah. in a direction of war. Especially, like, this whole scene that's just Shuri and the Moor. Like, they are yeah. getting along. I mean, look, I'll be the one. There were some sparks there. I'm not saying that they were, like, going to get married or anything, but there was, like, a little something-something there. Mm. Yeah, you could kind of feel it. And maybe Do you that think was that's robbing the cradle? He's like 500. Oh, he's very old. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, once, he, once you're past like 25, like what does it matter? I thought it was half your age plus seven. So he's trying to find a 257-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> At minimum. Uh, yeah, I, you know. yeah, I see it, him on like on Tinder, like <laughs> adjusting the age to like two. No results. What the fuck? <laughs> there's some there's some tragedy also built in here, which is, you know, kind of adds to the feeling of the, the entire film. In the city, Nakia re- reunites with Okoye, but they soon see the area flooding before they realize they are under attack. The Talokans begin to waterbomb the city, flooding the places and destroying buildings. Umbaku leads his Jabari warriors in battle with Shuri, while Shuri attempts to fight back with her tech. I haven't talked about him yet. Uh-huh. But Umbaku's great in this movie. Yes. He's so more so Winston much. Duke all the time. Yeah. He's I so wish he great. had more to do, but everything he does is amazing. When he calls, when he first goes into the room and he's talking about how, like, how do they let him get in here? And he calls Okoye a bald-headed demon, and it's just <laughs> yeah. the whole uh-huh. everything. He's just chewing on that root. Eating a carrot. Yes. <laughs> God, he's so funny. He's so good. At I mean, this he's movie. the king of Wakanda now, right? We'll see him again. And when they start, when the river people start talking back, and they all just start going, "Who?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love the Jabari just like in it's general so great. I, I, I'm so glad that they you know <laughs> they united mended. Wakanda at the end of the first they Black Panther so they could go ooh ooh yeah. <laughs> ooh shut yeah. up ooh. and everyone's just like okay fine they just put up with it now yeah. instead of like oh Jabari land you know uh, because I mean I even love just in Infinity War they have that brief moment where you know T'Challa and M'Baku like shake hands and and they call each other brother, you know. And that just that just that moment. Oh, now I'm sad because I wanted. I would love to have seen more of T'Challa and M'Baku as allies. Sure. Um, but man, man, what's the Duke is just great. He's so good at this. And I love how like brotherly he acts towards Shuri. Shuri. It's yeah. so sweet. Oh gosh, at Ramonda's funeral, the line he has about. You know, because she brings up what he said in the first movie about you know the child who scoffs he, at tradition. Yeah, and then when he looks at her and says, "The world has, 
done too much to you for you to be called a child, uh, or it's something along those taken. lines. The world has taken too much from you to call for you to still be called a child. Oh yeah. my god, uh, I almost started crying again. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Some of the writing in this movie is like. Some of the lines of this movie are like really, really, really good. I guess I'm going to say this now because this is a thought I had watching this. I, honestly, it's a thought I had watching this in theaters the first time. Ryan Coogler and James Gunn. They are the two best writers and two best directors to make any Marvel movies. Sure. Um, this is not to say the rest are, you know, a bunch of, you know, schlubs because they're not. But you schlubs. I, but I, I don't know why that's the word I went with. But okay. But <laughs> I. But I feel schlubs. like I feel like Coogler and Gunn are both just on another level from the other ones. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, I think, I you know, not necessarily that you know the movies they make are necessarily the best. I mean, they are among the best, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just think that as writers and as directors, they operate on another level of just like intelligence and thoughtfulness and it's really it really shows in these movies Mbako leads his Jabari warriors in battle while Shiri attempts to fight back with her tech Namod makes it to the palace and water bombs it heavily causing Ramonda and Riri to sink N- uh, Namod orders Shiri to join them in the attack against the surface world Wakanda will be completely destroyed Ramonda manages to pull Riri to the surface but they are both unconscious Dora Milaje managed to revive Riri, but Ramonda is gone. It is... I did not see this coming. When I saw this the first time, I was like, no way are they also going to take this poor girl's mother from her. Mm-hmm. It feels like she has lost everything, and now she's losing her mother as well. Like, yeah. I can't believe they're doing that, but it was like a... I, I don't know if it was necessary, but it was so powerful to see... And it then it sort of instructs all of Shuri's anger moving forward. Um, and anger that she might even still have past this movie. And something that she, I don't know. It, I, 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 I'm so flabbergasted that they did this in the movie. Yeah. Honestly, one thing that surprised me about it is that, you know, Namor just in general is one of those characters. Sometimes he's a good guy. Sometimes he's a bad guy. He kind of, Walks line to kind of does his own thing. He did something in this movie that is hard to forgive, mm. you know. So I mean, I I appreciate them not like holding back because oh, but we want to make a Namor movie later, you know, uh, and have him be the hero. Like they didn't hold back, you know. And he he kills this character that we love, and then he's so blunt and brutal about it, and he goes, "Mourn, you're dead. You're the queen now." Oh my god! <laughs> like to be fair, Loki was like that too. Like Loki, Loki killed some people. That, I mean, yeah, and we love him now. Yeah. So I think they have the ability to, with time, turn that around. Yes. No. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'm just. I'm just. You know. I'm glad they didn't hold back. Yeah. And and I think I think this death actually kind of is necessary to Shuri's character because she has to get even lower before yeah. she can. You know. Got to the other side of that. Yeah, she because she, even to this point, she wasn't dealing with her grief, right? She yeah. Actually, and now her mother's gone. She is the queen. She has to deal with grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has to. She has no choice. The people need her. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of any, I can't think of any other way in this very small amount of time that you make Shuri angry enough to go after Namor the way that she did yeah. for the rest of the movie if yeah. if not 
for Ramonda dying. Uh-huh. I don't think there's anyone else that's a main character that could have died where she would have been as fueled. And I don't think it's just an attack with no casualties. She'd be like, hey, like, don't do that again, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, a funeral is held for Amanda. Mbaku attempts to console Shuri and offer counsel as T'Challa requested of him, but she is mourning the loss of her whole family. Meanwhile, Val has Ross arrested after learning he was talking <laughs> to Amanda in secret. Like, why did we need that there? We didn't. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> While the rest of Wakanda gears up for Namor's return, Shuri finishes her work on Midnight Angel suits for Okoye and another Dora Milaje, Aneka, while Riri works on her Iron Man suit. Shuri finds that the bracelet that Namor gave her contains a material that the Talokans use to live underwater, which she mixes with T'Challa's DNA to successfully create a synthetic heart-shaped herb. With Nakia and Okoye, Shuri ingests the herb and goes into the ancestral plane. It's not with Nakia and Okoye. It's with Nakia and Riri. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ingests the herb and goes into the ancestral plane, hoping to see Ramonda to give her guidance. Instead, she is met by an unwanted presence. Killmonger. Such a cool reveal. What a great moment. What? When I saw this in the theater, it was like the air was sucked out of the <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, everybody was like, what? What yeah. is happening? Oh, my God. Because like I figured it wasn't going to be your mother, but like, but like, but who is it going to be? Right. What are they going to do here? And walking around the throne, and then you're see- realizing who it is. Perfect. Yeah. Inc- so so good, and not just he's like barely in this movie. Uh, but what's his? He's doing so. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Yeah. Jordan is killing it. How do you yeah, forget as Michael always. B. Jordan? My bad. I it's forgot. It's Michael Jordan with a B. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Uh, Michael Jordan. Mike, <laughs> Michael, have you seen the the the, second, the new He's Space French. Jam? I still haven't. Michael my Jordan. God, there's. I'm gonna spoil a part of it. Go Sorry, it. everybody. If you want Space Jam with LeBron spoilers, Space Jam: A New Legacy. Oh, man. There's a gag in the movie where they're like, "We found Michael Jordan," and they bring in Michael B. Jordan. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, it's like halftime. They're losing. And they're like, guys, I found Michael Jordan, and then Michael B. Jordan walks in. <laughs> Can he play? Uh, no, oh. they kick him out. Oh, <laughs> they're like, what man. the hell, man? <laughs> uh, very funny. Uh, incredible. He is very, very, very good in this. And it is so, again, we've got all these powerful scenes. This is another really, really, really powerful scene because, you know, obviously Shuri would have loved to see her mother. She would have loved to see her brother even. Yeah. Even her father maybe, but subconsciously, who does she need to see? The only person that can, the only person that feels the same way that she does right now and will do the kinds of things that she in her head feels like she needs to do. Yeah. And that's Killmonger. And he's the only one that understands revenge and vengeance the way that she needs to right now. Everything about this scene is interesting. And I think also when you go, if you go back to the scene on the beach um, between Ramonda and, and Shuri before Namor shows up and you know, Ramonda's talking about how she found peace and, you know, she felt T'Challa in the wind and everything. And Shuri does the dick move of saying, no, nah, it's just your brain. You don't say that to someone. Yeah. I'm sorry. Even if you Have think you tried that, not being sad? Yeah, like, yeah, like, <laughs> even, like, even if you don't, you know, you know, Ramonda, very spiritual person, Shuri, not as much, and especially after T'Challa, T'Challa's death. Um but but we know, having seen the first Black Panther, that objectively the ancestral plane is real, yeah. you know. But 
you know, for her to say that to Ramonda in that moment and for Ramonda to not get like super mad at her, you know, it just shows how, you know, how strong she was. But, you know, but it also just shows how far, you know, how far gone Shuri was at this point. So now she finds out that the ancestral plane is real. And what does she get? She gets Killmonger, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's got to be like a which is why when she comes back out and she's like, I didn't see anybody. You know, oh man, just it's just so much about this this whole damn movie. And it seems like that whole thing just makes her even more angry, as if she yeah could even be any more angry. But she's mad because he's right. She's mad, yeah. you know. She's once again hashtag Killmonger was right. You know? <laughs> he explains that she sees him because she is being driven by her desire for revenge against Namor for her mother's death and her anger over her brother's death, stating that she's just like him. Killmonger also says T'Challa was too noble and would have chosen to spare Namor like he did with Zemo after his father was killed. When Shuri wakes up, she she is unable to tell Nakia that she saw Killmonger and feels that her mother and brother abandoned her. However, she knows it is now up to her to lead the kingdom in battle, so she goes to find her own helmet. And then she slaps that suit into the wall. Yeah, she's dude. just like, whoop, yeah. Well, guess it worked. Yeah. <laughs> As the tribes are debating their next move, a ship flies overhead, and Shuri descends for the first time in her new Black Panther outfit. This scene is so fucking cool. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is so cool. Where she just kind of like comes straight down, and it's so cool. Um, Umbaku proudly declares that the Black Panther lives after he loses to her in arm wrestling. Uh, Shuri <laughs> then gives everyone a speech about what they have to do next. Shuri and Riri come up with a plan by for drawing Namor towards a dry area to weaken him so he may be defeated. <sighs> this movie ends with a big battle, but the ending of the movie is not about the fight. It is not that Shuri won the fight. It is that Shuri chose not... It is, it's about how Shuri chose not to win the fight. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking about this movie in like a... Uh, like I personally don't love that every Marvel movie has to end with this big final battle and the winner and loser of the battle, whatever. But this movie, while it has a cool big battle and action scene, it's not about the fight. It's about these characters and the the, the, the characters' motivations and and how Shuri has sort of battled through all of this and finally comes to term with the fact that she needs to do what's right for her people. Um, and it was just something I was literally thinking about as we were about to get to this big battle that like. Yeah. Although this is a very large battle, it's almost not even about the fight. Yeah. It's about the people. And I think that's why Ryan Coogler's direction and writing is so successful is that because it's that this isn't just who the strongest person wins. Although there is a fight, it's a, it, it ends up being about what the movie is about, which is compassion and, and, and feeling, you know, you know, you could feel anger towards a lot of different people uh, when you're experiencing loss, even the people that might have, have caused that loss. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, to truly move on, you need to sort of let go of that anger and sort of feel compassion for those around you. Um, just really cool. Yeah. The ending reminds me a lot of Civil War. Sure. In the sense, well, I mean, she I even. I was going to say that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like she even says the same thing that T'Challa says about yeah, vengeance, vengeance has consumed us. us. But it's. You say the thing that you want to say, just in case it's what nope, I'm going to say. That, I don't want to. That's all I was going to say. 
say what you need to say. No, okay. I just—I mean, that's like the whole of this movie. Is I feel like there's so many parallels between her and T'Challa yeah. and on his journey to becoming Black Panther, and then between Talokan and Wakanda. You know, just parallels everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and the other—the other thing that reminds me of Civil War is that you don't want either of them to win the fight. Yeah. yeah. You know, because that's how you feel watching Tony and Steve fighting at the end of Civil War. We're just like, I want them to stop fighting. And this one, it's not so much because you're equally on both their sides, but it's because if Shuri I mean, you, goes through with it. Mbaku says it. They call him. Yeah. Cool, cool, God. Cool, cool God. <laughs> and he talks about how they see him as a god. If they, if she kills him, yeah. they'll be at war forever. Yeah. You want her to stop. Yeah. And it's, you don't want her to win. You want her to stop. Right. And it's not a fun fight to watch. No. You know, it's one that is making you sad while you're watching and it. And I know at least for me, it's not that I wanted her to stop because, oh, no, don't kill no more. Like, yeah. Because, you know, you're at that point, you're kind of pissed at him for killing Ramonda. But yeah. you want her to stop because you see what it's doing to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we like her so much. It's like, no, don't. <laughs> You know, it's like eating away at her. She's yeah. not the person she once was with, you know, all this vengeance. She's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I don't know. You looked at me real serious. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were about to, if you were doing like a bit. No. <laughs> now they're about to fight. <laughs> no, this is. I don't want you to fight. <laughs> I, don't know what don't bit, fight. I don't know what bit I'd be doing. Eduardo, here. they'll be at war forever. <laughs> Why so serious? Oh. Uh, I also really like as they're like doing this whole like they're gonna board the ship they get ready for battle we go to the scene of Namor descending into his throne and he's got his big headdress on and he like speaks to his people and they do their like the Hadouken? The, the, yeah, the Hadouken (laughs) thing and they all scream and they're all (sighs) it's so cool yeah it's so cool uh Man, it's great. It's great. Why would you ever want to be in a stupid helicarrier when you could see stuff like this? <laughs> Man, if only they had that conference underwater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Wakandans board a ship to prepare for battle, and they send out a signal from another vibranium detecting machine to lure the Talokans to them. They engage in their showdown with the Talokans attempting to board the ship while Dora Milaje and Jabari warriors fight back. Riri emerges in her new Ironheart armor suit, while Okoye and Aneka fly in with their Midnight Angel suits. Not, not a Midnight Angels fan? I love Okoye, but I love her as Adora Milaje. I'm and I, I understand yes. story-wise why this ended up the way that, but God, I hate that suit. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it I looks like s- a predator. I want to see her face. You know what I mean? Like, she just yeah. looks like yeah. some kind of, I don't even know, like cartoon character yeah. now. Yeah, it's she like, looks so cool fighting like and when you can see who she is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it felt like it was just, you know, the Midnight Angels are from the comics and they're like, oh, how can we get the Midnight Angels in here? Namod gets high enough for Riri to hit him with a blast and Shuri catches him in her ship to begin evaporating the water on his skin. All right. So I think I brought this up to somebody when I saw it in theaters, and this is like the nittiest nitpick of all time. <laughs> okay, so I know that this is weird. When she is like fighting on the side of that ship, and she's like, 
like clawing her way around and doing all the flips and stuff and kicking. Uh-huh. Super cool. Yeah. Then that ship flies by and she jumps into it. Another thing that's like really off-putting to me and I could not figure out why. Well, now that I have Disney Plus at home and I can pause and frame by frame watch that shot as it's happening, the CGI is super weird for that. And I feel so like... I feel like I was right in feeling weird when she jumps into that ship. It's like her suit is black and the ship is black. So she jumps toward it. And as she is in front of the ship and the ship is kind of like the whole background. So now it's like black on black, right? They like minimize her like she's Ant-Man. Like she goes (laughs) like frame by frame. And then she's not there anymore. And then the ship keeps flying. And it's super weird. <laughs> Interesting. It's super weird. I will say there have there are a few times in this movie where I noticed the pains of a pandemic production. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There was a few CGI moments that were a little weird. Um, there were a few scenes where it was very, 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 very clear it's just people standing in front of a green screen. Oh, yeah. There were a few of those where I was like, they're just... Like they're not like there was like where it's Umbaku and the Jabari, and they're all standing there. It's like they're just standing in front. Like there's no background here. Uh, like, they're okay. in front of a green screen. Like this is all very clear. Like you can hide it. Oh they, yeah, okay. I know what scene you're talking about. They yeah. they hide it well in some points, but there were a few parts in this movie where it was like they didn't try hiding this at all. Like they are just in front of a green screen. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. Well, and they did and, a lot of good work in this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I'm not trying to be like, haha, fuck you. I found your one of three mistakes like yeah but that one was so unsettling to me in theaters because <laughs> i was like where the fuck did shuri go like she's just gone and it turns out yes she is she just she did like a like a in pokemon red and blue she did like a minimize and she turned uh-huh. into a little pixel yeah. little pixel and now she's in the ship <laughs> riri is attacked by namora while okoya has a rematch with atuma Riri blasts Namora into the ocean while Okoye knocks Atuma off the ship. Namora attempts to break the ship with his spear and Shiri fights with him uh, fights him with her suit. Shiri tries to have the ship fly towards the desert, but Namora succeeds in breaking it down and destroying it, causing them to crash. Shiri and Namora continue their fight, with Namora still having enough strength to beat Shiri and impale her. The one thing that one got me, but you know what got me even worse? When she unpaled herself? No, when she, that also. Yeah, yeah. that. Be a lot, where she claws off the wing on his ankle. Oh, and she's like yeah. holding it. Yes, yeah. dude. And you could, like, the pain on his face. What's funny like, about that is we don't even have ankle no, wings. No, but <laughs> no. But I felt it. And I it felt it. I felt it, it yeah. on my wing. Yeah. It almost like a, t- like a tendon thing, like, a, yeah. like where you got your heel cut or something. Like uh, It felt like it hurt really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Shuri and Namor continue their fight, uh, them getting impaled, blah, 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 thinking on Killmonger's words. And it's not just thinking on Killmonger's words. We see the conclusion of yeah, their conversation. Yeah, we see her response to him. Which is about how she's going to kill Namor. That's what she's there for. She's yeah. there to get vengeance. Um, Shuri is able to free and heal herself before going back to Namor. She uses the exhaust from her ship to fire enough heat towards Namor to severely weaken him. She grabs her spear and prepares to deal the killing blow until she sees a vision of Ramonda speaking to her, telling her to show him who she really is. Shuri orders Namora to yield so that neither of their people has to suffer from their pursuits for revenge. 
and Namor agrees. He yields and is taken back to the Talokans to call off their fight and return home. There's a maybe you guys will agree with me, maybe you won't. <laughs> but I hypothesize another place we could cut some minutes out of the movie. I don't think we need the like spark notes flashback of everything that happened in the movie before she decides not to kill him. I think her talking to Rwanda was enough. Rwanda was enough, but she like literally sees a little bit of every 10 minutes of the movie before she doesn't do it. Cut that out. I was confused by like they show like the attack on Wakanda in reverse. Yeah, like the first the first like four scenes of it are backwards. Yeah, and I was just like I guess you're trying to tell us that she's going back in time in her mind in her memory, but like did we need this? Well, it's weird because she didn't see any of those things. We saw those right, things. Yeah, she yeah. didn't see them. I think it is supposed to, in my, the way that I read the scene was that it was sort of stripping away all of the conflict. Like, it starts off with rewind all the, like, go back before the conflict. Think about the people as people. And then it, because it, it ends up, it ends with yeah. showing Talokan, showing the people, showing the similarities. It yeah. shows a street vendor in Talokan and then a street vendor in Wakanda. It's, it, it's her going in her brain going, don't think about that kind of thing. Go back. Go back farther than before we had all of this and think about the people and, and, and how the people were, were so similar mm-hmm. and how, you know, at least that's how I read the scene. That's fair. Yeah, because, because, when you make it about the people, you know, Talakan and Wakanda were all set to go to war because of a personal vendetta between Shuri and Namor. And, you know, this is her realizing, you know, that they're the only ones who can stop it. And she's the one who is in the position to stop it. I just love the callback with Ramonda saying, show him who you are. Yeah. So good. Oh, man. What is what was uh, we were talking about earlier? <laughs> Namor says, "Oh, a translation of his oh yes, this Latin is phrase. imperious. Yeah, Rex. this is what he says, imperious Rex, Dominus which is Rex. his comics catchphrase, which is Latin for Empire King. It literally was just it sounds cool, so that became his catchphrase because that's how comics were written in the '30s and also now." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really interesting that his. His battle cry thing here, he says it in the Mayan language, and then it is subtitles as Latin. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know what he said in Mayan. Like, uh, like I imagine something that is similar to Imperius Rex, but it's it feels it's just a little weird because Imperius Rex is already a weird thing to say. <laughs> it's a it weird was, say. It was Warrior so King? out of left field. Yeah. Right. yeah, Warrior King. Yeah, Empire King. Empire King. You yeah. think it just would have said that? That would have been a, it. It's still weird, but it would have been maybe weirder to fully translate it to English. To right before this all, ha- yeah, it goes. Oh yeah, no, it would have been Empire. Yeah, King. it would have been even weirder. <laughs> so it's clearly it's just a shout out to his catchphrase in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it feels like it's the kind of thing. I think Ryan Coogler is a big fan of the character, mm. <laughs> and it's it seems like the kind of thing he's like, I gotta get this in here, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, which. I respect that, <laughs> you know, but it is it is a little weird. It's for weird sure timing. Weird. Yeah, yeah. In the aftermath, Shuri sends Ruri home back to Boston, but she tells her that she has to leave her suit there for fear that the U.S. will resume quarrels with Wakanda. She does present Ruri with a car that belonged to her father, now fixed up. 
Back in Talokan, Namor speaks to Namora and tells her it was necessary to ally themselves with Wakanda since they have no other allies to protect them, and this will work in their own favor. Meanwhile, Okoye goes to break out Ross from captivity. Shuri travels to Haiti to meet with Nakia by a beach as she says there is one thing she needs to do. She sits by a campfire and burns her ceremonial garbs as she sits down to reminisce about T'Challa and finally grieve for his death. Hey, that Rihanna song was very effective during that oh, scene. Yeah. yeah. Do you know it's Cry Again. Did you, uh, Bailey told me to say this. You know that was the first Rihanna song that she had released in six years? I really? Think I did wow. hear that. Yeah. And she has not released songs set. Like, she came basically came out of retirement, released that song, and then went back to retirement. Went back to what a flex. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She did the Super Bowl. She did do the Super I mean, Bowl. That's yeah. not, not new stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah. 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 Uh, the flashbacks to T'Challa, just the number of times that T'Challa and, you know, had moments where he looked to Shuri. Just yeah. oh, and it so seemed, good. and they had some footage in there of him that I think wasn't in the original, yeah, movie. So it was cool to see a few new shots of him. Yeah. Nakia confirms that Ramonda met him before her death, and that she has been living peacefully there. Toussaint tells Shuri that his Wakandan name is T'Challa. She Shuri sits and smiles, knowing her brother's legacy lives on. And the last thing we see is a dedication to Chadwick Boseman. If we're gonna say to that the friend. if we're gonna say the throne scene is Angela Bassett's like Academy Award winning scene, this scene here should have nominated um, Letitia Wright. Yeah. I think there is a moment where the moment where she asks him who he is and he tells her that he is T'Challa, son of King T'Challa. There is a look on her face that I can't even begin to explain to you. It's a look of like surprise and awe and and sadness, but also love. It is so hard to explain. And so, in my opinion, would be difficult for any actor to accomplish in a real way. It's so incredible. Yeah. And it is, it, it, it's so, so good. You know, when I, um, I might be spoiling something here, but when I first watched this movie, I was like captivated by Namor because of what he meant to me and because of, you know, all these different things. On my second watch of this movie, Letitia Wright impressed me so much. Like I, I maybe didn't give her as much attention as I did Namor because I was focused on a few other things because Namor mm-hmm. was new and he was this new character. She's doing an incredible job throughout this movie. Very, very nuanced performance that is... Uh, I think has not been celebrated enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was really blown away by her performance. I was like, wow, I didn't know that she was that caliber of an actor. Sure. You know, not, not, I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way because I left the first black Panther going, Shuri's great. I want her to be in everything. Now I loved, I loved Shuri after that first movie, but Oh my gosh, the stuff that she does in this movie she plays every emotion <laughs> you can think of uh, and she does it so effectively. And, you know, just that shot of her crying on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, right before the credits. Oh, my goodness. And that's so hard to do as an actor, just being putting yourself in that mindset, like for a scene and then having to do it as often as she had to throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like <laughs> not to bring up Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> but um, 
in one of the behind the scenes uh, featurettes, the hobbits talk about how rough it was to do the Grey Havens scene because they knew they they're going in knowing they're going to have to be like crying the whole time. And, you know, putting yourself in that headspace is just really rough. And then having to do it take after take after take. And then you leave just feeling like shit at the end of it. (laughs) And she had to do that not only throughout this movie, but also drawing on real actual grief for her friend. Well, and you could imagine even after the movie was finished when she was doing press for this movie. Yeah. Every question was like, how did you use your grief through this? How did you guys deal with Tatala's or with uh, Chadwick Boseman's passing? How did blah, blah, blah. And like being asked that question probably a hundred thousand times. Like, how did you deal with this person's death? And like, I'm sure having to talk about that over and over and over again wasn't easy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, this movie, any way you slice it, I think audiences would have felt sad and, and would have been mourning Chadwick and everything, but I don't think it would have hit the way it did without the performances of Letitia Wright and Angela Bassett. Yeah. Can we uh, talk about the kid for a moment? Toussaint? Yeah. He's great. Oh my gosh. So good. The the casting, he looks so he much, looks so much like, like Chadwick. Him. Oh my goodness. He's adorable. Yeah. He's also he also shows up earlier in the movie. Yeah. He's there in Haiti when oh, Angela yeah. Bassett first gets there. He's the one that's leading her to, to Nakia. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I don't think I didn't even realize I didn't that. that. Yeah. It, it's there are three kids. Is it um is it suggested at all that I think Nakia did introduce Ramonda they, to they, they, says, yeah. Yeah. they say it in this last scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like she says, did, so she did, did my mother know? Him. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I know they're not well, real, and, but I'm like, thank God. <laughs> and remember that earlier in the movie, um, Ramonda is, it sounds like Ramonda is going to tell um, Shuri about this. Yeah. Because she's like, I have something to tell you about your brother. And then Namor comes out. That's what that was about. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for connecting that dot for me. Yeah. I yeah. was like trying to, when I watched that earlier, I was like, wait, does she ever explain this? And that has to be what it was. Yeah. 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 Um, also, um, your, your historical fun fact for the day is that he's named after uh, Toussaint Louverture. Um, sorry if I'm butchering that name, but he was one of the leading generals in the Haitian Revolution. Hmm. Yeah, so that's why she says, "Oh, that name has a, a lot of history behind it," or, or whatever. She's something along those lines to him. Um, so that's that's what that's referring to. His response is so kid-like, where he's like, "Your name's cool too, I guess." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this movie's a lot. Yep. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> a lighthearted romp. Uh, MVPs, Peach. We'll start with you. Who's your MVP for this movie? Oh, I mean, it's Angela Bassett. I don't. She didn't have hot dog fingers, but you know, she <laughs> she nailed every scene she was in. I'm sad we won't. We probably won't see any more of her in the MCU unless it's through flashbacks, which I assume will probably be short. Yeah. So if we do see her again, maybe she'll give an award almost winning performance uh, <laughs> for a second or two and then go away. But I don't know if you, did you guys watch the Oscars when Jamie Lee Curtis won? Yeah. yeah I, was the camera, that, I was on your couch. That's right. The camera <laughs> pointed to Angela Bassett for a second and she looked pissed. <laughs> <laughs> she looked not happy. She was, she was outdone by hot dog. Fingers. I know. Yeah. 
Jamie Lee Curtis played the piano with her feet. I mean, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And <laughs> she learned how to play foot piano. For the record, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was great in that movie. And that yeah. was my favorite movie of the year. So, like, great, you know. Yeah. But I just don't think. I'm going to go ahead and say I saw four out of the five nominated performances in that category. She's number four for me. What were the other ones? Uh, well, Angela Bassett, uh, Stephanie Hsu, also in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And um, oh, what's her name from uh, Banshees of Inisherin? Carrie. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Carrie. Is it? I was it Carrie Butler, but that. No. No, it's not. Because hmm. that's Felicity. <laughs> right? Carrie Coon. Is it Carrie Coon? No. Carrie. Oh, God. Carrie that's... Butler is a Broadway performer. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Originated then... Barbara in Beetlejuice. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. No, I saw her. In... Yeah, uh, idiot. Sorry. I, <laughs> I get all my Carrie's mixed up, okay? <laughs> Who doesn't know yeah. that? Felicity was I... played by Carrie Russell. That's what my next oh, tattoo okay. is going to be about. Uh. If her name's not even Carrie, I'm going to be so mad. Man. Come on, dude. Uh, Carrie Gold is the cheese and butter. Carrie Condon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your Irish Wait, butters together. Carrie Edwards was it, a Democratic ticket. Is it Banshee's Amir Nashir in an Irish movie? Yeah. Damn, yes. the Carrie Gold butter does. It's all connected. <laughs> and it was Carrie Condon. Um, who, she would she would have been my third choice. But she was excellent in that movie. So, um, uh, but yeah, on the same train, Chris. Who's your MVP? Oh, Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> um, but I will say, it's extremely close between her and Letitia Wright. I could, I basically a coin toss, and 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 I was also very impressed with Tina Cuerta as uh, uh, as Namor in this. Yeah, I think. Boy, it's this is a really hard one because what do I'm what am I giving the MVP to? If it's the best performance, it's Angela Bassett. She gives the best performance in this movie, in my opinion. But if it's the character that I thought was like, that I liked the most, and that I really like, I spent the most time thinking about, it's Namor for me. Because it was so different and cool. So I'm going to cheat and get two MVPs and say it's both Angela Bassett and Namor. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's Angela Bassett's top half and Namor's winged feet bottom half. I mean, it's, yeah. With one of the wings ripped off. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Angela, who's your MVP? Well, I had it in the notes that it was Angela Bassett. Um, <laughs> but after all of our conversation about no, Letitia Wright, <laughs> I think I'm going to say Letitia Wright. Oh, this is Angela on Angela Crime right here. Whoa. Oh, so no, rude to my I think, I think that's a great choice. No, yeah, She's, I can't argue with that. But it's know? like, it's her movie. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, well, we already talked about it, but she's just excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Does this movie have the best performances, like the most great performances of any of the Marvel movies? 100%. Of any superhero so. movie? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Maybe. Ratings, Chris. We'll start with you. What's your rate? What are you gonna rate Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? I give Black Panther: Wakanda Forever nine ankle wings out of ten. Uh, who's who's next? Peach or Eduardo? Eduardo. I'll go. Yeah. I'm gonna also give it nine leaky talokans <laughs> out of ten. What about you, Peach? Um, yeah, the the pacing thing makes makes it hard for me to rate this higher than an eight. So I gave it eight fishmen out of ten. Um, but it's still a great movie. Uh, so 
I know that's not yeah. a low score. Yeah, you don't need to apologize. But I'm <laughs> apologizing because I am having flashbacks of how we all like joked with Robbie about it. we were like, "You hate Black Panther," and he gave it an eight as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was an eight. Yeah. Um, Angela, what about you? I gave it eight underwater conference rooms out of ten. Solid, <laughs> solid. Look at you changing all your notes. Well, so, you, you listeners can't. So rankings for me, it. It, I, I think the original Black Panther is a perfect movie. Like, I think I would watch that over and over and over again. I don't think it reaches that level for me. I think this is a much deeper, uh, more nuanced movie, perhaps. Uh, but it doesn't reach sort of the levels that I feel for the original Black Panther and for a few of the other um, for a few of the other MCU movies. So for me, my top five is still Black Panther, Shang-Chi, Endgame. No Way Home and Guardians of the Galaxy. And honestly, looking at this, I would probably drop No Way Home until... Like, I felt that way about No Way Home when I first saw it, but I probably, now thinking about it, would put No Way Home right next to Far From Home. And my new top five would probably be Black Panther, Shang-Chi, Endgame, Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinity War. And then just after Infinity War, I would put Wakanda Forever. And then it'd be No Way Home, Far From Home, and then the rest. That's fair. Peach, what about you? Yeah, this kind of settles in the middle for me, which is a funny thing to say, but it, you know, we have like 30 fucking properties uh, <laughs> that we've talked about, Mo- only movie-wise. Anyway, um, sorry to get vulgar. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> it's like near the end of the eights for me, but I, I do think it is heavily a rewatchability thing. I think it is hard for me to... You have to go through it when you watch this movie. You yeah. can't just have a, a, hey, I'm going to throw on Wakanda forever and we'll let it play in the background. You know what I mean? Like when you sign up to watch this again, you're going to put yourself through it. And so the rewatchability goes down a little bit because it's hard. You know, it's like we talked about this. It's it's a tough movie. Um, so uh, right directly in front of it are um, just a couple examples of other eights sort of like, Shang-Chi and Ragnarok, I think those both have uh, a lot of rewatchability. Uh, but it itself is before like Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange, Multiverse, Ant-Man, that sort of thing. So I do think it's more rewatchable than other rewatchable things, but because it's a better quality movie. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, Se- seated right around in the middle. Hasn't changed my top five. What you got, um, Lord? For me, I hate my rankings. I, I, and I, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I bet I would change some of mine. I would probably change a lot too. of it, but I put it right behind the first Black Panther for me because I like them. I think they're both, you know, about the same level of of great. But it just comes down to I would rather watch the first one than be sad. Yeah. <laughs> and watch this one. Yeah. Um, then you get so, to see the CGI rhinos. Uh, that's true. Then, then I'll be a little sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, so that puts it in at number nine for me, which doesn't necessarily feel right. I don't know. But uh, yeah, but right behind Black Panther feels right for so me. Now you least. wonder why I was apologizing. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's near the top. I feel bad. I'm Mine like, is high when you consider <laughs> yeah. how many friggin' movies are in this yeah. Yeah, that is true. universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, top 10. Awesome. <laughs> um, I did not have time to do a deep dive of where the hell my last ranking was. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. which episode it was. You don't have like a cork board with red strings and everything? <laughs> But it would definitely go somewhere in the middle. Um, 
not that Chris and I, d- I don't think have the same kind of rankings, but I'm sure they're similar. I would probably put it below Shang-Chi and Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of because of what Peach said about rewatchability and just this movie is a lot and it's super long. Like that was the main reason I took off two points for it was just, it's just so much movie and it's so heavy. Um, But I do think it is still one of the higher quality MCU films. So I think it should still be in the top 10. So... <laughs> yeah, I actually found myself wondering what Bailey's thoughts were on it because Bailey almost always said, and not about the movie as a whole, about the length of the movie, because she almost always says, like, why do these movies have to be over two hours long? And I'm wondering if she feels that way about this movie. Well, <laughs> lucky for you. Yeah, I'm sure you know. I'm married to her. I know. That's why I'm looking <laughs> so at you. I can tell you <laughs> she thinks the movie is a little bloated. Okay. And she thinks, similar to we feel, that there's a few parts that could have been blocked, yeah. that could have been cut out. Gotcha. Uh, she agrees with me about the cutting out the white people. Yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, she. I think she also would have cut a lot of Rear Williams stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, it's time for everyone's favorite recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. I don't know why I keep saying everyone's favorite. No one has ever said that this is their favorite. But. Also, it sounds kind of like you hate it the way you say it like that. <laughs> it you're sounds like, like you're everyone's making fun of us. Like, I actually uh, really I enjoy it. Like it's a neat segment. I, I like no, no, it a lot. No, 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 no. I actually really enjoy it. I like it segment. too. I love talking about, not that I don't like talking about Marvel, but I love talking about other stuff. Oh, for yeah. sure. In addition. It's just like the last two times you've been like, everyone's favorite. To be honest, I just haven't found <laughs> a good segue, yeah. a segue vessel yet. So uh, uh, you uh, got to get a slide whistle. One of the podcasts I recommended on our last um, our last episode, my recommendation actually ends with them doing what they call one cool thing, which is basically what we're doing here. <laughs> which mm. So I listen, I'm like, hey, they ripped us off, except the podcast is like 10 well, years Well, the par- old. Po- podcast I ripped off calls it Parting Gifts. Okay, and I like so, that. Uh, <laughs> Scott Ackerman has plugs at the end of oh, Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, something bang. called plugs. Yeah. Everyone send in your songs yeah, we to need open plug up the plug songs. bag. Yeah. So do you guys have something to help our listeners get through their week? Yes. Well, what you got? So I thought of something that is relevant to this movie. <gasps> um, I highly recommend Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is the third Tomb Raider game in the most recent Tomb Raider series the survivor series i think they call it survivor trilogy um it came out in 2018 um and it follows lara croft as she ventures through the tropical regions of the americas to the legendary city paititi um, battling the paramilitary organization trinity and racing to stop a mayan apocalypse she has unleashed so this game is just for one it's gorgeous um I love the gameplay. I think it's very smooth, like the movement, um, the the fighting. Um, I just feel like they refined a lot of things from the first two games, which I still, I mean, the first two games are excellent too, but this is just like that much better. Um, and it's a story that's really more about Lara kind of um, embracing her role as Tomb Raider and kind of mastering her craft. Um, <laughs> God damn it. I love you so much. <laughs> wow. Damn. Did you really run recommend this or was it all a setup? <laughs> 
Either way, I respect it. I know. Um, and something that's cool, and they tell you this right at the very beginning, like it's like a bunch of text that shows up on the screen before you even start. Um, and they talk about how the team that, you know, built this game, they consulted historians um, on like Mayan and Aztec like history and mythologies to create the architecture in this game and the people of Paititi. Um, they base the culture and the people of Paititi on historic accounts of Maya, Aztec, and Inca peoples. Um, and same goes for the clothing of the people. And they wanted to make sure, you know, that they were doing all of this research and consulting actual historians who know about this um, so that the cultural depictions are accurate and respectful. Um, and also they kind of did a good twist on the usual, you know, in a lot of Tomb Raider games, Lara finds a thing or does a thing, you know, that maybe kind of desecrates the tomb that she's in or the the temple she's found or whatever it is. And there's like no consequences. And in this, she done <laughs> up <laughs> like she unleashes something on these south american peoples um that she did not intend to but it is fully her fault because she goes a little too deep in her adventuring and thinking that she's doing the right thing of stopping trinity from getting this ancient artifact and really in getting the artifact herself, she unleashes this, like, apocalypse, basically. Why did I have to raid all these tombs? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the game is her grappling with that and her trying to take responsibility for that and fix that and make sacrifices to make it right. And her, you know, interacting with all of these communities throughout, you know, Aztec and Maya, you know, regions and everything, and then discovering the ancient city of Paititi. And like I said, it's gorgeous. Um, also, they did a really good job of the swimming mechanic in this game. Oh, interesting. And normally I feel like swimming in games is very clunky. Um, and a lot of times I feel like games just try to stay away from it. Like at most they will have you swim on the surface or like you can dive under for a few seconds, but then you resurface. This is like full on diving underwater, going through underwater caverns. You find little pockets of air to keep yourself going there are like groups of piranhas and stuff that you need to avoid and you hide like in the the foliage underwater to like hide from the you know eels and like all these really dangerous things in the water like it's just actually really well done i was really impressed with it so shadow of the tomb raider you don't have to have played the first two games in the trilogy to enjoy shadow of the tomb raider i recommend all three but this one and they go into also the legend of kukulkan so it does very much, you know, tie in, relate. Kukulkan. It does very much relate to the mythology used in Wakanda Forever. So highly recommend. You were so excited to say that. It's fun You to had say. me until that water stuff. Uh, I shall not be playing that now. Oh. Um, you should play Subnautica. Oh. <laughs> I'm not saying I want a whole game of that. Like, uh. I do get very stressed in the underwater parts, like hiding from the piranhas is dun, the dun, worst. Dun, 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 <laughs> but I just feel like they did a good job of it. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, those games have been... I've played the first one. I haven't played the Rise or Shadow, but the, the first one's really good. That's um, Square Enix, right? Yeah. yeah. They're very good. Um, I do like Square Enix games. I don't like underwater. Um, uh, Angela, have you played any of the Uncharted games? 
I started the first one and got a little bored with it, but I need to go back because I really think I would enjoy that series if I keep going. So I just need to power through. Well, and uh, like a lot of these games, Uncharted 1 is okay and Uncharted 2 is like amazing. Okay. And so you don't even like really need to play Uncharted 1 to be 100% honest with you. Okay. I would most like, I would recommend just going straight to Uncharted 2. I just watched my favorite streamer play it. So it's like, I know what happens. And Uncharted 2? No, the first one. Oh, and the first one. So I might as well just go ahead and go straight to Uncharted 2. (laughs) Play the second one. It's incredible. Uncharted 4 is, it's like a movie. Those games are kind of like movies Mm -hmm. and like, you're like, it's like an interactive movie type of thing. It's still fun. Yeah. It's not like a, like a point and click adventure. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's Naughty Dog. I'm not surprised. Right. And it's, you're going to get a lot of the same, because he's also like a treasure hunter type dealing Mm -hmm. with ancient civilizations, very similar to Tomb Raider. So I think you might, I think you might like it. Who's next? I'll go. This one's a boring recommendation. It's, it's a useful one. Uh, it's an app called Splitwise, <laughs> which these guys know. These guys you know. You fucking nerd. <laughs> Look, if you... If you're ha- in this very specific situation... <laughs> no, well... Sorry, let, you go ahead. Okay. I won't rob you. If you have roommates, <laughs> if you ever, you know, have to split bills... Uh, they were roommates. Oh, my God, they were roommates. Okay, so like we used it. Uh, we had a guys weekend uh, a little while back. I think we might have mentioned it before. We a um, bunch of us uh, went out to to Tampa, and we used this just to kind of keep track of who paid for what, and it automatically calculates based on who paid for everything, who owes everybody, how much they owe. So like, I bought dinner like the first night we were out there um, for everybody, uh, and. So we put that in the app. So at the end of the uh, of the weekend, I didn't owe anybody any money, but two people owed me money. Anyway, it calculates everyone where you, where you end up with the right amount of money when it's all done. He's like, I'm recommending this because I got money. <laughs> yeah. I, it yeah. paid me. I, no, I still lost money because I know, I know. Uh, the Columbia is not a cheap restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you How lost money, money because of... Uh, no, not uh, we paid it. <laughs> I got a lot of it back, so it doesn't I, matter. Well, yeah. and, and like you, it that's not. Like, I do like that it yeah. does dynamic math. Yeah, that's yeah. what's nice about it. Yeah. Danny yeah. and I actually used it this week yeah. because uh, we, uh, I bought, I paid for his uh, horror nights tour ticket, uh, and then he paid. We are splitting. Uh, we got my dad an expensive thing for his birthday, uh, so he paid for that. So we just put in the app to figure out how much uh, he owed me afterwards. Yeah. Um, for both, you know, this and that, like how much you took care of. So I did like that it did that where like, you know, I might owe, someone might owe you the most money, but at the end, after all the calculations, it would be like, all right, Eduardo. And this is just an example. Eduardo and Danny each pay Chris 60 bucks and peach, you pay Adam, uh, 60 bucks. Yeah. And that that evens it out. Yeah. Everyone's been paid what they've paid. Like, Oh, okay. And I just want to say, cause I, um, was a bridesmaid in a wedding uh, like 10 years ago or however long ago. It was a little while ago. But I was in this group of girls that I didn't know practically any of them. But we had to do bridesmaid things like there was a bachelorette night, you know, and paying for... You know, decorations for <laughs> decorations for the bridal shower and you know whatever and like you know bridesmaid 
things. Yeah, did you put so the dollar these... bills that you put in the stripper's G-string into Splitwise? <laughs> that was a post. I know whose wedding this is, so it's making it even funnier. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the person in charge of tabulating what we all owed, uh, you know, I'm not saying I don't trust that she did her math right, but just that... We had to just sort of put our faith in this person we never met before to tell us, oh, you all owe me this much. And like, it wasn't exactly clear how much she spent on each thing. And, you know, so it it was all just sort of a surprise in the end. Like, oh, wow, I owe that much. That's a lot, but okay. (laughs) But like, I feel like this is much better because you've got visibility Mm -hmm. to everyone in your group and what everyone paid, what it cost, and then what you all owe in the end. And like, I just feel like that's a lot better than like leaving it to one person and hoping they get math right and you can't really check them on it. Sure. <laughs> I'm having historical resentment for not having this app sooner actually because yeah. I've been a best man three times and two of those times there has been planning involved that like money spending was involved with that sort of thing and geez, it would have been so much easier. It would have been so much easier. Yeah. The other thing you can do in that app, now I, I t- called you a fucking nerd, and now I'm like, yeah, now oh, we're like but isn't it great? <laughs> uh, the other thing you can do is you don't necessarily have to say that everyone in the group was a part of the thing you did, yeah. right? So, like, Chris paid for dinner that night. We were all a part of dinner, so he just said, everybody, uh, I paid this much. At the end, we'll calculate this. But then later in the week, if, like, I bought something that only Eduardo and I participated in, I put that on the app, and the other three, four people weren't affected by it at all. It still does the math dynamically. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like this thing is that, you know, I bought Danny's ticket for him. He he owed me for the whole ticket. He bought the birthday present. I only owed him half of what he paid for that. And it figured that all out. Yeah. You know, it's so, so good. It's so good. Someone else recommend something more fun than what I just recommended, though, please. <laughs> Mine's going to be way worse. Oh, <laughs> okay, really? Go ahead. Nerd. I have shit to recommend. Here's it's the... Excel. No, here's the... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Here's the deal is I don't really have a good recommendation this week because I have actually been like, despite us having gone a couple weeks without doing any recordings, I've been doing the things that some of us have recommended. And I want to hear about it, so and, go, please and talk about it. Well, and they've been taking up a lot of my time. So Endorse like, the previous recommendations. So the thing that I did that I recommended was Final Fantasy VII Remake. I finally got the double platinum. A... For those of you that don't know what that means, it means I platinumed the game on PS4 and I platinumed the game on PS5. That took me, I calculated, about 180 hours to do um and when i had talked about it when i recommended final fantasy 7 remake on whatever episode i did that i was only like a little over halfway through that 180 hour journey so you can mm-hmm. imagine that a lot of the hours between now and then i spent there i also spent them getting my tattoo finished so my tattoo's done now just waiting for the last like touch up to heal so that's cool i, I i've recommended my tattoo artist on the podcast before yeah. <laughs> but i'll recommend her again at balena tattoos on instagram um and I've been playing Street Fighter Six, which Eduardo recommended. Uh, I found a character I like. I'm trying to get good as her. I'm also, also that's kind of a lie because I'm playing the world tour m- mode, which is like the campaign, and I have made my character mostly behave like that character, but not entirely. Mm. So I understand how to play her a little better, but I'm just trying to get all the. I'm obviously trying to platinum that too, and that story mode is kind of necessary to do that. I'll say um, 
the fighting part of Street Fighter is much more fun than the story mode part of yeah. Street Fighter. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd recommend the world. If, if you don't have the little bug in your brain that makes you platinum every game that you put on your thing, maybe just don't play World Tour uh, if you get the game. All of the characters second costume i know are locked through but if you don't tour. care about that that's fair if you don't care about that second costume, you can also just buy them you can yeah. yeah so you don't have to do world tour you could just buy them because it starts off fine it starts off you roam around this city you go through this like really capcom story yeah. you know like it's very bad it's very capcom <laughs> Um, but the mechanics of the game are like you run into some people in the city, you can get in fights with them, you earn rewards based on what you do in that fight. It's fine, you level up, you get stronger, um, but it really turns into this slog of like near the middle and all the way to the end of the story, you will constantly be running by packs of aggressive bad guys. Mm. You fight like between four and eight of them at a time. So all of the matches are long, even if you're really strong. They're all zoning in on you, running after you, forcing you into a fight with them. Like it's very hard to ignore. Um, And a lot of the quests, even the story ones, the necessary story ones end up being fetch quests. They all were very I feel like it was rushed. I feel like mm-hmm. it was designed like, yeah, they've well, never I mean, had a story mode before. Just well, let and them that's have it. Probably a lot of it because like Japanese yeah. fighting games have never like, right. And, and our, it's a fighting game with a story well, mode. Well, and like, like, what do you expect? NRS has been doing this for a long time with Mortal Kombat, and yeah. they have it down now where it's a lot smoother and yeah. a, I think a lot better in their story modes. Yeah. But J- Japan, Japanese fighting game developers have not been doing story modes. Yeah. Ever. They have still been on the. You do an arcade mode where you fight a bunch of people, then you fight a boss, and then you get like a little story thing at the end. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Which is also in the game. It is, it is. Uh, but like, that's maybe my biggest gripe with the world tour mode is that like, I don't know, an example of one of these really tedious quests is like, all right, I need you to run from the the spot in the city you can spawn in all the way to the top left corner. You're going to talk to a guy there. The guy's going to be like, you know what? Actually, uh, the thing that we need to do doesn't happen until night. So go back to your apartment. Uh, at your apartment in the city, you can change it from day to night. Run all the way back to your apartment and then come back and talk to me. And that's that's the quest is I ran there. I ran back. I ran back to him. Uh, cool. Thanks, guy. <laughs> um, so what do I recommend? Actually... Uh, Fucking go outside. I don't know. Like yeah, touch grass, nerds. Take, take a break from from man. All these, all this stuff uh, has put me in front of screens for so many nights in a row. Like I, I work in, in front of a screen, then I got in front of a screen to get this double platinum, and then to try to get through world tour. I've had three moments like this in my life, but two of them in the last two weeks, where I have been staring at screens so long in that day. I start to have a spot in the middle of my vision that I cannot see anything. Oh no. Like I can't I can't see the screen I'm looking at in that spot. I can't read because it's covering up the words that I'm trying to read. So I basically have had to like both all three times that that's happened, but obviously the two in the last two weeks that I've been talking about, I've kind of just had to like sit and stare at the ceiling because we do so much with screens now. Yeah. It's very hard. And I bought some blue light glasses. I hope it's not more serious. I hope it's just like, hey, dude, maybe like give your retinas a break. Yeah, sure. Look out the window. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all these things are fun. But maybe this is me talking to me. 
go do something else every so often. <laughs> That's my recommendation. Peaches recommends going for a walk. Yeah, maybe get into a real street fighting league. There we go. Maybe there go find go. someone to Hadoken. In go go the raid a real street. tomb. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? So. I think that's really admirable to not look at screen. So I'm gonna recommend. It's hard. A, I'm gonna recommend a TV show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am recommending uh, a show that I think is still going. I think it is still on TV, or it might literally only be streaming only now. It's called Superman and Lois. Mm. It was on the CW. It's on season three so far. It tells the tale of Superman and Lois Lane. However, it's an older version of both of them, and they have two twin sons um, and their sons are like teenagers. One of the sons gets superpowers and the other one doesn't. And it sort of tells a lot of them. One of them has social anxiety. The other one's like a star jock football player and they move back to Smallville to like raise their sons. And it's sort of like, think of like a CW family drama type show that also is about Superman. And that's kind of the show and it ha- it is way better than any CW show has a right to be. I like really highly recommend it. And it also really understands Superman. I'll give an example. The first time you see Superman, one, he's in the classic Superman costume. Uh, like the classic. Like, oh, yeah. It's the, it's the George Reeve costume, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's he, he only wears that like once when you see him like in his like when he's first become Superman. Um, and he like saves the kid from like like a car is going off of a bridge and the, it's about to land on a kid and he like stops it and he puts it down and the kid's like thanks i really like your costume and superman's like thanks my mom made it for me and then he flies off (laughs) (laughs) and if that isn't like superman i don't like that is that's who superman is right like um so it really understands superman and then it, it has a really good character dynamic between him his wife and their kids and sort of like how do you navigate having to sort of lie to people all the time about who you are and where you come from uh, it's a really cool show. I really recommend it if you guys are looking for something to watch. It's also like really wholesome. Uh, so if you have been seeing a lot of like stuff that's gotten you kind of depressed lately, if you want something a little bit more on the wholesome side, you can watch that. You can also watch My Adventures with Superman, which is you can watch both of these on Max, formerly HBO Max. Hmm. Um, yeah. And it's an animated Superman show, another really great Superman show that is very uplifting and positive. So if you're looking for something like that in your life, recommend both of those. Is the CW one Uh related to the Arrowverse at all, or is it separate? Yes. So this version of Superman got his start in Supergirl, which was a CW show, as Superman. And he showed up in there in a few episodes, and they liked him so much, they gave him his own show. Nice. And his show is very good. And I would say it's much better than the Supergirl show. Oh, um, I thought of... I'm not going to talk about them long, but it's... Probably almost too late to recommend these, but Barbie and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Go see both of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't recommend Barbie because I thought we already did that. No. Or did uh, you, did oh, you did you finally see it? Yeah, I saw it with him. Yeah, we... we oh, nice. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah. yeah. thought it was extremely wacky and lots of good lessons at the same time. Yeah. I really yeah. like wacky stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so. so much better, and you all heard this by now, but it's so much better than a Barbie movie should be. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's 
fantastic. I love it. I really I, like the scene where <laughs> this is like a slight swirly where Barbie is going up to Ken and is like, I'll be your girlfriend again. And he's like, one second. And he like goes <laughs> into the house and he goes, Sublime! Sublime! <laughs> <laughs> Oh that God. was very and I unexpected. Think Ryan Gosling ad libbed that. Like he, <laughs> I think they had several takes where he like would go behind the thing and then like say, just say a word. Yeah, I think Sublime is absolutely the right choice <laughs> to go with. The funniest one. Oh my I God. love the Lizzo song as it's yes, like the sad version. It, yeah, how it's narrating her day and then it's doing it again, but sad. Like yeah. that was really yeah. a nice touch. We were talking about this yesterday, <laughs> and I said that I think the biggest laugh I've gotten in a movie this year is from that song when she's spelling out pink p <laughs> panic i i'm scared n nauseous k death, death. <laughs> like <laughs> I lost my mind that movie's so good well is that's a fun callback because the first time that she sings it she also uses a word that doesn't start with k cool yeah, yeah that's right yeah <laughs> k cool yeah. um and then ninja turtles just a gorgeous movie. Well, gorgeous Very and uh, something that I've has carried over for me. Incredible soundtrack. I yeah. have had the soundtrack in my car for uh, like a couple of weeks now. Still really, really good. One. Yeah. Bailey and I are seeing Talk to Me tomorrow, so maybe I'll recommend that next episode. She was like, okay. "Do you want to go see a scary movie?" And I said, "I do not." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know someone that will every time, unless it's called The Ring. Then get the fuck out of my DMs. <laughs> Uh, that's me with every scary movie, but especially The Exorcist. Ah, yep, same. Mm-hmm. Same with. I that. will not be recommending the sequel when it comes <laughs> the out. The Exorcist, uh. the fir- the original one. Yeah. Hell no. Will you go see the remake <laughs> with me? She, no. or the, not the remake, she the made new me one? watch it, and I still married her. <laughs> <laughs> will you see the one that's gonna be a Hor- horror nights house in the middle of horror nights? My thing with horror movies is I don't want to see them in the theater because that's just a little too much. I want to see them in the comfort of my own home, mm. where I have the option of turning on the light hiding under a blanket going into the next room because a scene is particularly (laughs) too uncomfy for me that's fair horror movies in theaters are kind of hit or miss because if it's supposed to be like a campy horror movie and the audience is reacting that's kind of fun like mithrigan like mithrigan like when we saw (laughs) like the people reacting to megan was it was kind of fun to add to the movie like like when the dude in the back of the theater was like megan's gonna kill that bitch (laughs) like like that shit was funny but then you go and see a serious horror movie and it's really hit or miss because sometimes people are respecting the normal theater rules like they're being quiet but you, you you kind of run the risk of getting the people that talk along with a horror movie because that's how they cope like oh shit don't go in there like (laughs) and i've been to both and the latter kind of sucks um and you end up having to watch it i mean if you liked it having to watch it again is a dumb thing to say but um yeah so i kind of feel you there um but also there's something a little for me easier to watch a super scary horror movie if you're surrounded by like a hundred other people you know, mm. takes a little bit of the edge mm, off. Yeah. Strength in numbers. Yeah, exactly. We can all take <laughs> Ghostface. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this extra long episode of Assembly <laughs> Required at MCU Retrospective. Yeah, we, we're about the same length of the, uh, of the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at it. Oh, we could wow. Probably, we could probably cut about 20 minutes. I feel, <laughs> I'm sure we could. I feel bad for whoever has to edit this one. Ah, what a sucker. Ha <laughs> 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 suck. I'm just going to cut out every time anyone mentioned Ross or Val. <laughs> 
listeners will be like, who the hell are they talking about cutting out? Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Uh, Patreon.com slash assembly required. Join our patron exclusive Discord. Come chat with us all about uh, movies and TV and all that kind of stuff. Whatever you want. We're in there. Come hang out. <laughs> if you want to email the show, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Want to follow the show on Twitter? It's at assemblycast. Follow all of us individually. You've got. Uh, are you still on Twitter? I know Chris left Twitter. Are you still? On Twitter? I left. All right. Well, you're gonna follow it's, Angela nowhere. It's uh. just X now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, X. Where you can't like, block people. Can we <laughs> not call it Twitter anymore? I don't know. Is Elon I, gonna, I'm gonna call come it whatever us? the hell I want? Yeah. If if he's such a free speech absolutist, I should be able to call it Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> and follow me, I guess, at ABC Dorado One for now until I end up leaving because I probably will. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash peaches, P-A-C-H-3-Z. It's funny every time. One day, <laughs> if, you, if you pray hard enough, it might happen. Yeah, if I get one email from someone that I don't personally know that says stream again, I'll do it. And hey, big shout-outs to our uh, Avenger, Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, and Adrian. That's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required an MCU Retrospective. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bubble-dee, bubble-dee. Good dinner. Yeah.